Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You don't own me. No one can tell you how to travel as you are. Orbitz wants to help you discover where you want to go, who you want to go with, and what you want to do when you get there. Visit orbitz.com slash pride to book your next trip. Orbitz. Travel as you are. So Hello, my name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 31 of the No Encore Music Podcast. It's a packed house this evening. Craig Fitzpatrick is still here before he jets off on his holidays. Anderson Pack, what's up? How are you? That's an appropriate nickname it for is. tonight's They're show. They're kind of becoming quite appropriate, aren't they? I'm getting used to just like You're doing better. slipping them in and You're making maturing. them teams. You're maturing as, as you hit 31 years of age. He's not 31 years <laughs> of age. <laughs> very much 28. You look disgusting. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, I turned 31 since the last time I, I did this oh, podcast. Oh, there you go. It's, it's a good research. age. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that offended voice right there is Dean Van Wyn back again and that man screaming into the microphone whooping incoherently making his no encore debut is Richard Chambers yes (laughs) no oh Oh, off to an amazing start (laughs) this is the best podcast of all time he just looked at me mischievously (laughs) while opening a can of beer which has leaked all over his notes and the table what an opening I need them to live spilling on the floor (laughs) as we speak this never happens in news talk. I oh swear. man! Oh my god! This was this what was an never amateur. happened to Pat Kenny ever. This was clearly, <laughs> amateur hour. clearly a mistake. Should have got the hooky monster. All right, yeah, man. Richard is a. Let's, un- let's go without no <laughs> We'll do it live. <laughs> we'll do it. Live. <laughs> I'll write it and we'll do it live. Richard's of News Talk Vintage, but perhaps not for long if this level uh, of unprofessionalism continues. They're listening. Yeah. Don't tell work. I, I hope this. to God not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Craig and Richard, opposite sides, but 
members of the same you know what company. they say opposites uh, sit on opposite sides yeah. <laughs> well uh, Richard you have been called a sensationalist quite recently on Twitter for yeah, some of your reporting yeah Federalist so yeah. they got it all now do you I, enjoy being trolled by complete weirdos I, I enjoy trolling I've actually I used to do this whole thing where you're, you're not meant to feed the trolls you're not meant to talk back to them now I just quote tweet them and just say oh really or just hit them, hit them <laughs> antagonise them essentially and then, then, yeah. then all my friends will join in and gang up on them it's a really <laughs> noble way to, to, to sell your differences with people on the internet fair play uh, Dean you've also had a lot of people come after you for your opinions oh yeah uh, <laughs> on the regular <laughs> cultural Marxist got called that today that's, that's an amazing nice. one I'm that's brilliant that. yeah. um, I feel like I'm doing nothing with my life where's all the hate <laughs> Twitter <laughs> had, had an uh, an amusing comment on an article I wrote about about white privilege from a person who said, "Don't talk to me white my white privilege. You should see the car my granddad drove in the 1950s. He wasn't privileged." <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair point. Yeah. Oh, I feel that person may have missed the point of Dean's article. Slightly up on the Irish Times at the moment. Um, prolific as always. You've also reviewed one of our albums of the week this week, which we'll get to. Oh, thanks for noticing. Because I only posted it up there, there you just go. before I left the house. Like, yeah. no- nothing gets past me. You're always online I'm watching. Like, I'm like a modern day I'm like a modern day Lou Vega you might say (laughs) Lou Vega don't talk to me about Lou Vega Dave Um, haven't heard that name in a long time it's going to be five minutes Um, I was told this would be a Lou Vega podcast it's the only reason (laughs) Mambo number five sensation Lou Vega before we came on we were talking about Lou Vega's second single which uh, the name I'm not going to say it escapes me because I've never known it but it does count off six, seven, eight, nine, ten to follow up is one, two, three, four, five from the first one. I just remember it was on. Do you remember when Live and Kicking used to do Hit Miss or Maybe? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, um, fondly. Yeah. It's probably the only song I ever saw that got a miss. But, oh, oh really? Yeah. Yes. Oh. And one of them was uh, was Sonia from EastEnders who gave it gave it the thumbs down. Your career's never gonna yeah, recover and, from yeah, that. And it didn't. Like yeah, it. That was the end and of Lou Lou Sonia pulls no punches. What's Lou Vega <laughs> doing now? Uh, Natalie Cassidy says no. Well then, that's <laughs> it. I think, I think that's her name. Back to my used, it's I, impressive. I, I used to watch soaps when I was younger. And EastEnders, Karen. yeah, EastEnders, Coronation neighbors, Street. away. Well, never Coronation Street though, or Emmerdale, or Bro- or Brookside. I was going to call it Brooklyn. But oh, okay, it's Brookside. So you hate the North of England, essentially. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, uh, what did you do during the week, Craig? You're on holidays now. I just got off yesterday, so I've done nothing. Okay. Um, I had a nightmare last night that I stayed up and watched the Trump Clinton debate, and then I realised I was awake, and it actually happened, and it was terrifying. So I'm just recovering today. That sounds terrifying. It was. Like a lucid um, dream, sleep paralysis. Yeah, very much so. But uh, it was actually last happening. Thursday in the studio, we had Bantam, Rory Lynch, in. Yes. His album Move is out now. He's done a playlist on Headstuff Music, actually, about the sounds that went into that one, and it's uh, full of ba- bal- uh, belters and bangers. I kind of got that wrong. Uh, it opens up with Block, Rock, and Beats by the Chemical Brothers, which I have to say really holds up, and you should go and check that out, as well as his new record. But he did reference last week that we were all off to see Death Grips. And by all off, it was me and him because you went home. Yeah, to bed because I was up at like five o'clock and in the morning. Didn't go to one of the most crazy gigs. In yeah, the- yeah, yeah, you I skipped a freebie yeah. to Death Grips. Free Death Grips. Yeah, f- yeah, I missed out on free Death Grips. It's just my life now. I haven't been to a gig in an age. Cool I, I tried. Ever. I was like, come on, and you're like, no. But uh, it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. It was completely Got to crazy. Hear it. <laughs> it was <laughs> life changing. It was no <laughs> support. I, in lieu of a support, they just played drone music for about half an hour to an hour. Uh, packed in the academy. Crazy crowd, but quite you know friendly at the same time. Like lots of circle pits moving around as one kind of like Venn diagram starting up and mm. and stopping. Uh, it felt Sounds like one like long song. Uh, MC Ride going crazy. Zach Hill on drums. I don't know how he does what he does. The sweat in the building was out of control. Uh, That's my, what I don't like. My ears were ringing. Venue. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's it's it almost feels like the walls are just. It's a sweat box, man. Yeah, yeah, it's probably good. I didn't go like in a suit, and yeah. it just would have gotten bad. And like yeah. we were on the balcony, and like you know, heat rises. 
I'm reading it. Misty, I'd say. <laughs> very misty. Like walking out into the street into the night rain. The night rain was. Uh, what a band there. <laughs> was very enjoyable. So, yeah, Death Grips. Uh, worth checking out live if you get the chance, Craig. I would recommend so. And I went to another gig. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, in the space of one week, I went to Nickelback, Death Grips, and then Holy Fuck. <laughs> eclectic if nothing else the holy trinity as it's yeah. called they, <laughs> yeah. uh, they played in Wheelands they were excellent and I have to say they were like Animal Collective if Animal Collective enjoyed using rhythm in their songs which they don't seem to do anymore and were good live and were good live yeah terrible they, life. these were great live it was a lot of fun we're and good. as a man mean van such over. casual heat as he flicks through his notes oh, no, <laughs> let's, let's, let's put on an animal collective album and have a ball let's not <laughs> I saw them live once and it was, it was horrible I almost fell asleep standing up anyway uh, before Holy Fuck went on stage actually like right before they went on stage I had the chance to sit down and talk to Brian Borchard very difficult name to pronounce but I think I got it right sure did he's a very jovial fellow and I actually interviewed him for Hot Press years ago in which uh, his first ever job was revealed which was that of a clown and as we all know there's a bit of a clown epidemic going on at the moment so very zeitgeisty yeah mm. yeah, well, yeah it's of the moment it's it is of, of the, the moment, moment. <laughs> uh, and therefore there was no better place to start so I kicked off an interview by asking him about clowning and his general opinion on the state of things thereof and you can listen to that no yeah <laughs> I don't know if the professional might be overselling it, okay. but yeah, I was, yeah, it was, I was, I was a clown. <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure you can keep an eye on the news at the moment, there's been an epidemic oh, of these clowns. clowns kind of milling around, so as a former, maybe semi-professional <laughs> clown, what do you think about your ancient craft being dragged into the dirt like this? Oh, it's, it's funny you say that because um, I do have one friend in the Facebook world, like an old acquaintance, um, a musician, who is also a, a children's entertainer and he's a clown and I always forget that about him but he recently weighed in and it was interesting to hear his take on it because yeah sure enough he was disappointed he's, he was like you know this is like an ancient craft it's like it's, it has it's, it's had a place in our, in our history and you know and kids really love it and you know let's let's not uh, spoil it and let's not give it this uh, bad name that said I was I think I was always pretty scared of clowns and um even when I was, I mean, I did this job as a clown for about a week, and I was 16, probably, and I'd only just gotten my driver's license. It was, like, one of my very first, like, jobs outside of working for my parents, you know, cutting grass for my dad or something, and uh, <laughs> I don't think I was very good at it, first of all, but I also realized that not only was I scared of kids, you know, because I wasn't around a lot of little kids, but they were scared of clowns. They were scared of me. It's a weird profession. Like it's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird practice. And I mean, yeah, people are up in arms. Like there's broadsheet articles about it now. There's one in the Guardian this week, and like mm-hmm. uh, like tracking down people who represent the fine art of clowning. Mm-hmm. So, and now there's people dressed up as Batman, apparently kicking the shit out of them on the streets. Whoa, man! I gotta, I gotta keep up with this. And I, well, maybe something good will come of it. Maybe we'll re, we'll learn to sort of um, reclaim the the ancient art and and. Uh, Give it a better twist, because as long as I can remember, at least for our generation, we grew up with things like Stephen King's It. Yeah, and, it. and yeah. uh, Which they're remaking, by the way. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Insane Clown Posse and all that stuff. <laughs> it's, it's hard, you know, it's, it's to a point now where we don't really see them the same as they would have, like, 50 years ago. Um, in that same interview, actually, that, that we had a few years ago, you did note that the first record you ever bought was by Neil Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Heart of Gold's uh, 7-inch, or the 45, I guess, yeah. Which you learned to love. Yeah, I learned to love. It's funny, yeah. Uh, 
wow, you have a great memory. Uh, no, I looked it up last night. <laughs> yeah. I still had it on my computer. Um, but I mean, what do you think about his contemporary Bob Dylan getting the Nobel Prize for Literature, the first musician to ever do so? Some yeah. people are up in arms about that as well. Well, they are, yeah. Um, and again, I, 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 like most people these days, I only really you know, catch up on things based on what my friends are sharing on Facebook. And depending, like, you know, someone was weighing in about the clown thing because it, it was close to home. And then the people that have weighed in on this are writers, musicians, and, uh, and usually the combination of writers and musicians. And some of my friends who are both actually find that he sh- they, they don't think it's right for the most part. And that's interesting because they're sort of like underselling their own craft as writers and musicians. Um, but you know, it goes the other way too. I don't really have an opinion on it. I haven't really thought about it too much. Um, it, it feels more like maybe Bob Dylan deserves some kind of lifetime achievement award, but like a Nobel prize for literature, it feels like maybe there's someone more deserving that loses out. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think Bob Dylan is already plenty celebrated and he's already, and it's really is more about a lifetime achievement. It's not about a one individual work. Um, you know, what individual song can you really say is the song, you know, obviously Blowing in the Wind and, and uh, songs like that that had um, impact on civil rights and and, uh, and historically speaking were well-timed and had a strong message. But in general, I think it's more of a lifetime, you know, career thing. And I don't know, maybe that's not the point of the Nobel Prize. Well, it does, it does set a precedent now for musicians mm-hmm. to be recognized. And as a matter of fact, uh, this time last Sunday, mm-hmm. I was at a fellow Canadian band. Mm-hmm. I saw, for my sins, I saw Nickelback live. <laughs> that is for your sins. <laughs> <laughs> well, how was that? Well, uh, as I confessed uh, to my friends on the, on the podcast, um, once I had enough beers, yeah, yeah it, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I bet you if I went to a wedding and they played, I would love it. It'd be like the funnest wedding. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'd go out of my way for it. You've never had the pleasure then, no? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, it's, it's weird because like, Canada is a very diverse kind of musical mm-hmm. nation. Um, my friend moved over there recently, moved over to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, it's like he's there for two years and it kind of feels like he's been there for longer because he started dropping phrases like the six. Yeah, yeah, everyone's calling it the six. I want to bring T.O. back or T.Dot. Is that, was that a thing? It was for a while, yeah. T.O., I mean, obviously that always happens. But T.Dot specifically was like the Toronto hip-hop. Um, we had a, a scene that you know w- before Drake, and you know it wasn't nearly as big, but they were repping it as uh, T Dot, and so that kind of stuck for a while. Still, hey, but now it's the six. Cool, good yeah. for your friend. Yeah, he's 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 part of the club now. Big Drake fan as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drake's, Drake's pretty good. Drake's blowing up. Uh, yeah. But you've moved. You've moved mm-hmm. from Toronto to New York City. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm actually in well, New York State. Um, well, my wife had, had been working in New York City, and I was in Toronto, and that was pretty, you know, I'd rather be closer to her, and I was mostly sticking around Toronto so I could finish the record, and she was working in New York City, so I moved to rural New York about two hours, two and a half hours north of New York City, um, and I'm loving it, because I'm in the woods Oh, that sounds cool. I just it's it's actually an area I've always wanted to move, and I actually sort of put those plans on hiatus when I met my wife because I, I my wife is Canadian and I'm dual citizen, so you know I have American parents, so I always kind of ex- wanted to move to this area, and then I kind of put those ambitions on hold when when the two of us met, and and ironically she ended up getting full time work in New York City, so it's sort of yeah it's, it, it it kind of brought that dream alive again you know brought it back to life 
It's uh, an interesting time to move into the States, of course. You know, yeah. Do you have an election fever? Yeah, oh, I guess I have an election flu. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm not trying to avoid it. That's that's not at all the case. You know, I, I don't try to avoid anything that's really um, important and that's happening in the world. But I try not to inundate myself with it. Yeah. You know, you can every day you can follow some dumb thing that Donald Trump is doing. You can really get wrapped up in all the like point by point. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm just gonna kind of hide under a pile of blankets or something and hope it all goes well. <laughs> uh, it's kind of interesting that we sit here like moments before you go on stage. Mm-hmm. Like it's you know it's quite rock and roll uh, yeah. in its own way. It's so peaceful back here. It's My bandmates aren't even here right it's now. It's very very peaceful. I mean like like has an awful lot changed for the band because obviously you know in the in the kind of intervening years some children have popped up here mm-hmm. and there and like I think you've had to, to make more considerations about even touring schedules and stuff so mm-hmm. how are you finding it now? Uh, yeah I mean that's all very true uh, right now is like the final European date on this tour we go back to Canada we play one more show and then we disperse everyone going in a different direction so it's sort of the second to the last show in a month of, of shows and it's been a lot of fun and it feels like the way it's always been and in fact I think we're playing better than ever that much I think is true it's, it's you know I'd have to get in a time machine and go back and see and compare it but I just feel like this band always evolves and we're always getting better and better and so it's really exciting now to be out here doing it but I also understand for my bandmates that do have kids and, and I don't but I understand that that commitment could be a good thing for us because it'll make us a little bit smarter mm-hmm. about how we tour one of the reasons why we took a chunk of time off and a little bit more than the average band would take off is because we kind of needed it for our own sanity because we went a little too strong. Like, I don't want to say we went too hard. It sounds like we're just party animals, but you know, we, we just went too full on. Like We didn't give ourselves breaks. So we were sort of touring without strategy and we're always on stage and always traveling and it got to the point where we just really burned out and we needed, we needed to take time. So I think that having kids and having these... Um, other commitments, it might just make us smarter. It might, it might allow more time for us to write material. It might add, allow more time to record albums and and you know do other aspects of what it is to be in a band these days. Like you know make videos or whatever it is. You know there's so much of the creative process other than just playing live. Yeah. And that's really what we did and what we focused on for years was just playing live. And it was fun. <laughs> that's the thing about playing live. You can kind of ignore everything else going on in the world and just focus on your commitment that you have every night um, and and it's very rewarding so like with all that said for fans it might have felt like a long wait between mm-hmm. records but for you guys maybe not like six years yeah. paper looks like a lot but I guess yeah. you know maybe not it didn't feel it, like it started to feel stressful like there would be moments where I couldn't sleep at night just because it all catches up to you you know you kind of like suddenly you're there and you're thinking about time and how time flies and you, you're starting you know because honestly the record was almost done in 2013 like we we kind of did rough mixes of about half the material in, in 13 and we really could have tightened the whole thing up and finished it by the end of the year but we also realized that uh, in addition to you know, having that time that we took to the, up to 2013 when we were ready, um, we needed to sort of restructure some of the business sides of the band too, you know. Um, we wanted to sort of look for new management. I mean, this stuff isn't all that interesting for fans out there, but it's part of it. And we're living in an era now where, like, you do have to wait eight months before you put out a record from the moment it's done just to press the vinyl and just to get your press people on board. It's kind of 
anticlimactic and you finish this record and you're so excited about it and then you're like okay get in the queue it's going to take you you know six months at least to get this pressed so that's really where that time went so yeah it it didn't feel like it was so long because we were almost ready in 13 we were pretty much done in 14 and got a label involved got management involved and then just got in the queue and then it ended up coming out in May of 2016 (laughs) and it's god it was stressful yeah so yeah, I came out in May, and mm-hmm. obviously you've been busy touring. Have you had much time to even go back to it, just listen to it as a casual listen, or do you do that at all? I listen to it far too much when I'm working on it. Sure. And there's always some aspect of the creative process that involves me like over and analyzing, and I try to reduce that. You know, I I I do a lot of the sort of like final production. You know, I don't do all of it. It's it's a group effort, but there's a lot of it that I take on, from, and largely because I enjoy it. And, you know, I had a studio in my basement, and I, and we make, like, twice as many songs as that end up on the record, so that sort of slows down the process, you know, trying to finish 20 songs to pick your favorite 10, you know. Um, and so during that process, I'm analyzing it, and maybe, like, when it's almost done, I'll smoke a joint and listen to it again, you know. I'm not a big smoker, but... But I, I find it, I find you've it... You've said it now, man. Yeah, I know, so. I'm not a, you know, I, I, I tend to, you know enjoy a casual drink more often than I'm than I smoke anything but I think it's an I think it's an interesting tool in the creative process it allows you a certain perspective so I listen to it and I I hear things differently and I make new judgments based on being you know in a maybe a more different mindset and Jesus and then you gotta figure out how to sequence the record (laughs) so now I'm walking around Toronto with it in my headphones like picking different sequences there's a million different ways it could go and I've time it's done I don't ever want to listen to it again (laughs) (laughs) I will probably hear it like six years from now and really enjoy it but I've definitely overdone it in the last that's a hell of a commitment and I mean with with this record like I mean like they say kind of you know it's it's a cliche but people say that restraint is one of the hardest things a musician can learn Mm -hmm. but you guys seem to really try and put as much limitations on yourselves as possible even even down to like what you were using to make this record so yeah and especially what we're using like um did that come back to bite you or was that no um I think I prefer doing it this way like I was I've been kind of observing how some of my friends make their art whether it's like making um film or videos visual arts or painting or whatever you know a lot of people it's in the final stages they try to obscure it somehow like they'll they'll make a beautiful video but then put it through a weird effect or they'll they'll make it kind of edgy or they'll you know they'll it seems at some point that that often happens on the tail end and and I I love that we do it on the front end like we start with something that's so hard to even make musical like it's I mean, the drums and bass player, I mean, they're great, so that's already musical, it's already catchy, the great rhythm, but really, for Graham and I, we're really taking kind of like these strange drones and sounds and objects, and, and we're trying to make them as musical as we can, so that by the time we've captured it, now we actually try to present it in the best light, so we almost go the opposite. Now we really want people to love it, we want to, we want to sell it to the world, we want, you know, sell people on it, I mean, not, not like financially but yeah you really want you want to wow people with it and uh i really i really enjoy that part of the process as opposed to doing it the opposite starting with a pop song and then smearing it through weird plugins or sure something. yeah <laughs> but i mean in that regard like critical notice has actually been very very good on this one like like you seem to get a lot of really, really good reviews like do you pay attention to press clippings at all like does that matter 
It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, I don't. Here's. I. I would rather they don't. They don't affect the outcome. Sure. I'd rather not be changed by them. I've always believed that it's good to have a, a, a good peer group of trusted allies, and those friends and you know other bands, people that care about you and want to see you succeed. They're going to give you good advice because they want to see you succeed. So like you know and I, you know bands like Mets are good friends of mine, and so when they're working on their record, they'll play me their stuff before it's done, and I want to tell them the truth. I want to be like, I think this song should start the record, and I'm not sure about this song, you know. And it's an opinion, you know. I hope they value it, but when it when it's my turn and, and when I have these friends telling me what they think, I really really value it because I know that they their only vested interest is to see us do well. And, they want they want people to see us as they see us. Um, critics aren't necessarily the same thing, you yeah, know. <laughs> They're always coming from some skewed perspective, and you know, you get good you get good criticism, you know, you get good reviews, and that can kind of you know feed into your ego, and then maybe you get some stuff that's pretty scathing, and it challenges all the ideas you had, and then you'll be tempted to change them, and, and especially for a band like Holy Fuck, because we've kind of done a lot of things wrong. You know, the band name aside, it's like, you know, how we make music. We were never, we were never pandering to anyone. We were, all, we made, we were very um, obstinate about how we were going to make music. And then even when we got signed to XL and got put into a, a sphere with other pop artists and stuff, you know, I know there was expectations for us to sort of become a little bit more of like this like dance music producer combo and we just didn't want to do it and we stayed this noisy experimental band at the cost of even people liking it you know it's like fuck it I want to do it the way we do it and because I think there's a value in it and so sure enough when those bad reviews come out that's the first thing they attack like they kind of hit you at all those weak points sure they, they, they will just basically expose the obvious and say this isn't very melodic or they'll, they'll just say, I don't get it, it's not going to, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> and if you took that to heart, you would change everything that makes, you know, people drawn to what you do. I feel really good about the negative Kings of Leon review that I followed earlier on today. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I was fair. I was yeah. very fair. And I, I, didn't, mm-hmm. I, I didn't go mm-hmm. college-level, I'm angry, snark. I, mm-hmm. I did my very best, but I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. every to them might even apply... Um, so yeah, the XL thing. I mean, like you were never asked to remix Adele or anything. Then no, I mean there were certain opportunities, but like that's exactly it. Like, I mean, again, like we we start from a compromised position in how we make our art, and how we make our music. But we're a little naive. We kind of we think we can do everything, you know. So part of us probably thought we were going to start writing for Adele. You know, why not? Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen. So <laughs> and it's not to say it won't happen still. But I I really think that if you see, we just have to stick to what we do and, and like I said I think it keeps getting better whatever that means you know what it's just we, I think we're getting we understand it better than ever what we're trying to do and I think we're able to explain it better than ever in, in the form of the song or the music or the album I think it, it, the point is coming across better than ever and, you know at some point hopefully people kind of get behind it and allow us to be ourselves and still have doors open for us cool yeah I mean you definitely feel the ceiling yeah (laughs) well I guess I mean lastly like before we wrap up and let you take the stage Mm -hmm. uh, is there any truth to the rumor that you're going to work on a Christmas record oh the rumor has started 
Jesus, now we have to. I, you know, I bet you it could come out in the form of like a couple songs or something. I don't know if we'd have to put out a whole thing. Maybe it'd end up being one experiment. It's, it's definitely something we've talked about from the very beginning. Are we talking covers here? or You'll have to wait and see. Okay, <laughs> right. fair enough. That's fair enough. Okay, listen, Brian, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. So it's Brian from Holy Fuck there, a nice guy. I think you guys can all agree. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that 18 minute interlude there, my notes have not dried up at all. <laughs> Still smelling um, like the finest of, of Brooklyn brewery there. You know? Yeah, a, 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 a good guy, a great band, and a great night out. Good. So I'm glad. Go. I'm happy for you. Okay, we can I'm now really, move into, really happy. We can you. now move into what's happening in the world of this week. Uh, actually, correction corner because in the last episode we talked about Leonard Cohen, whose yeah. new album "You Want It Darker" is out now. And he had said, you know, I'm ready to die, it's all over. But uh, at a kind of a Q&A slash playback session for his latest record, the host was like, how are you feeling? Probably a question he was wanting to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you okay? While the entire album was playing. And Leonard Cohen backtracked. Uh, he made us look like fools and said that he, you know, he's. I, I was exaggerating. You know, I've always been to self-dramatization. I intend to live forever. <laughs> yeah, he intends to stick around until Jokes 120. Jokes on you, planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, he does very much seem like the kind of guy that could just decide, all right, now 120, I'm going to go for it's it. Like, why not? Yeah, he seems so, like yeah, that So his of definition dude. of forever is 120. <laughs> You'd take that, though, wouldn't you? It's a pretty good innings. That is a very good innings. Um, obviously, great news to hear. Um, it's not like he was taken really out of context, though. And it was a really kind of long, good interview um, with the New Yorker, wasn't it? And he kind of spent a lot of time talking about his health and there was references to the fact as he was being interviewed that he was at home, he couldn't really get out a lot, um, he was struggling even to kind of play music. So he has been going through, you know, quite a tough time, but it sounds like he's in better health, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he also made a comment about Bob Dylan, which I can't quite work out. Is it dig or approval? No, it's a very much approval. Uh, approval. Yeah, He's, yeah. Uh, Bob Dylan, of course, won the Nobel Prize in Literature, and Cohen said it's like pinning a medal on Mount Everest for being the highest mountain. So I guess he's what he's saying. Like, it's just it's stating the obvious, as in like you pretty know, much. Yeah, to, it means nothing because he's so above it all that you know. Well, he hasn't returned any of the calls. No, he hasn't. Nobel. He hasn't. I mean, he's no, not going to show up. Is, no. Uh, it is very typical. Never turns any of my calls. Uh, Barack Obama <laughs> actually hit him on the WhatsApp as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Barack Obama uh, hey, told him, told Nana about Bob Dylan about how like he performed for him and you know didn't show up to press the flesh or take photos like everyone else has done and he didn't even interact with him during the sound check. Just kind of did his job during the performance. He kind of leaned over to him, gave him a big smile, shook his hand, and then disappeared into the night. And Obama was like, "That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. There's That's what you want him to well. be. You want from Bob Dylan. Yeah. There was some place recently he got one of those honorary doctorate degree things, and like you know the way you have that big elaborate, you know, gown and, and hat thing. And mm. he's the only person who was actually allowed to keep it. He actually asked, "All right, I want to keep that. I think it was from Oxford. Well, yeah. I wonder what he does with it. Does he just have it mounted on the wall like Batman's costume? Or Probably, something? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if there's it. a crime, he yeah. just pops in that thing and yeah, down to his underground cave and off he goes." I have a question for Richard. Are we allowed? Oh, let's go. <laughs> you <laughs> Text in now. You were recently at the uh, the UKIP convention. Yes. Um, Party conference. Yeah. It was the lols. Uh, what was the, the music there like and what, what songs would you consider to be in the UKIP they, you know, canon? I see very, you know, white men with beard rock music. It was um, like most party conventions or, or, or um, conferences they will have like canned CD music over Tannoy. The tunes UKIP had were Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol. There was Kate Nash's Foundations, which I quite enjoyed. Um, what else do they have? Oh, did yeah, you actually, did you actually? I think that's a great song. Oh, for <laughs> God's sake. sake. And it was actually very appropriate for what that party has become. Yeah. Know, 
Yeah. There's, there's serious cracks in those foundations. <laughs> they're punching yeah. each other out, you know. 1975? 1975. The band up the moment as well. <laughs> <laughs> You're so topical. This is... They're, they're, you could have their fingers on the, you know, the, 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 the pulse of pop culture. Nigel Farage himself, I heard, picked that, that playlist of doom. Jesus Christ. Oh, God, this sounds man. like an absolute horror show. I was also told to fuck off and die shortly after <laughs> I entered the place. So it was a very positive experience. Yeah. Christ. Well, I, I don't know how to swing into the next segment of news. <laughs> what I'll do is, I'm terrified. I'm about to open the same can of beer as Richard, which he's kindly donated to me. So I've, uh, here we go. Let's hope it doesn't explode like yours did. There you go. Look at that. It's grand. It's all about the real sound effects. That's actuality. It's what we call that in the biz. Goal. I just raised the, the can. <laughs> nice okay, work. So yeah, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations are out. Uh, some people are absolutely outraged. Others <laughs> don't care. because Every single year this does happens. It, does it yeah. mean anything? I mean, but yeah, list 2017 nominations are out. Pearl Jam and Tupac Shakur have been nominated in their first year of eligibility because their first recordings came out in 1991. The entire list, uh, lots, lots of names it's here. It's a really, really good class. It's quite a good class. Let's read it out. Sure, why not? Bad Brains, yeah. The Cars, Chaka Khan, Sheik at the 11th time of asking. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, They're just taking the piss. Just Come on. Please. 11th time's a charm. Maybe uh, if I gig Ireland again. Yeah. <laughs> Depeche Mode, Electric Light Orchestra, Craig's favourites. Yeah, they've uh, got some tunes. The Jay Gales me. Band, not familiar. Jane's Addiction. Oh. Great I, band, which I still think is probably the best band name ever. Yeah, it's very good. It's a it's a good band. It's a good name. name, great band though. Yeah, uh, Janet Jackson. Yes, particularly appropriate if Janet gets in this year, given she's was very memed last night during the the presidential debate when uh, when Donald Trump called Hillary Clinton a nasty yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Streams uh, of nasty through yeah. the roof. Clinton, it's also Clinton, jam. If you're nasty, we also have Joan Baez. We have Joe Tex. No. We have Journey. Who, you know, everyone's favourite bar band, thanks to the Sopranos. They'll eventually get in, like, during you. Just I think they'll get in first time. I, I, think, probably, I, think, I think they're getting it's in. It's a very rock and roll Hall of Fame type yeah. of band, isn't it? Massively so. Craftwork, uh, which is they not in? That's, that's, that's like, you're talking about the, basically the canon there. We also have uh, MC5. We mentioned Pearl Jam, first time of asking. Uh, Steppenwolf, Tupac Shakur, Yes, and The Zombies. Heavyweight names. I think, how many normally go in? In each class, like two or three, is it? It's about five-ish. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's a good yeah. good amount. I, make a I'll, night I'll of make it. It's like the UKIP party conference. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's the UKIP party conference of American rock music. Very much so. I'm going to tell you, Yes is going to get in. Yes are getting in, for sure. Tupac is going to get in, because yeah. they've gone very hip-hop friendly. Public Enemy were, were, were entered, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or NWA. NWA, NWA are in there. Pearl Jam are getting in. Jam Jam are getting in. Pearl Jam are getting in. And, ooh... Sheik? You know I might think I think <laughs> she can I, get I, I, I might go Jane's Addiction on that. I yeah, I think Jane's Addiction is a good shout. An edgier shout. There was on Pitchfork a member of the I'm not sure if present or previous member of the voting committee went through all of these and was very candid actually. It was a really good read. Like Bad Brains were first up and this guy was like, No. He's <laughs> like, no yeah. chance, not happening. Uh said like Sheik, he goes, uh, you know, again, eleventh time of asking, forget about it. Uh, ELO will be popular he reckons I think he said like Journey will get in and Yes will get in unfortunately fan voting will probably get bands like that in as well he reckons Jane's Addiction are a good shout Pearl Jam are an absolute lock Tupac should get in doesn't see it for Janet Jackson though it's kind of like the BBC Sportsman of the Year award for rock the year, yeah. who cares no one, no one sets out Tuning the guitar, I'm gonna get into dreaming. I'm yeah. gonna be in the rock and roll hall yeah, of like, fame one day. Cheap trick were inducted by Kid Rock last year. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. <laughs> it's a very classic rock hall of fame, isn't it? 
Uh, well, this has been the debate this is, because this, this is why the arguments start up yeah. because people go, "You can't have a black man who doesn't play guitar in my Hall of Fame." Boo. Yeah, yeah like, I think yeah, it's like the Glastonbury argument all over. Oh again. Christ! Yeah, yeah, same thing every year. Like, like. N- NWA went in last year, and I believe at the time Gene Simmons was very much as like, "That's was. not. It's not the hip hop Hall of Fame." That's what he said. Yeah, um, man, and Gene, I think Ice Cube was quite good Gene about Simmons. kind of saying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> What a lovely blow, crash, really. <laughs> oh, Gene. But I, I think Ice Cube was quite good about saying, you know, rock and roll is, you know, it's, it's about a certain spirit, it's about nonconformity. Then you have to think, what has that got to do with a Hall of Fame? So it's such a weird kind of concept. I mean, you could you could make the same argument that Kraftwerk aren't rock and roll. Like, yeah. They've no real basis in the blues or it's a very European thing. It's not rock and roll. So Are status quo in there? I just thought the Smiths aren't in there. The Smiths yeah, and Nines have been nominated just, for the last two years. And the not this time. It's a very particular type time. of act which normally gets in there. Yeah. That's why it'll be Yes and Steppenwolf. And well, it'll be broadcast on the Home Box Office Network at some point. So, you know, enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, tits of, and swords. <laughs> <will there. laughs> Lots of dragons and tits. Uh, I find that... And very overly produced uh, opening theme songs. Oh, God. Yeah. Is I don't that know if you've seen the new Westworld. Westworld. Like, yes. I'm like all the other ones. Like, oh, high-priced, high-priced. Like, look, I like look Westworld. Do you like Westworld? I like Westworld. I've two episodes of Westworld. And I I'm like three it. episodes in. And I'm liking the little piano covers of like... No, that's terrible. I think it's great. It's awful. Uh, Listen, have you watched like Westworld? I've no idea what it is. Westworld. I assume it's like the West Wing, except now Martin Sheen's like president of the world. <laughs> and he's a robot. He's a robot. Cyborg. It's about robots and humans and, you know... Are robots like movies? No, I haven't Maybe seen uh, Yul Brenner. It's classic B no. movie. I know James nothing about this. Have you not heard Josh. the Stephen Malcolmus song that was about the movie? No. I have not, no. <laughs> Jojo's jacket. You're being exposed here, man. For God's sake. Not, not able to hang. Not Jesus. Westworld, yeah, so far not great. Uh, lost to Anthony Hopkins chewing out, chewing scenery and giving bad dialogue. James Marsden. That's what I like. That's James, my comfort. J- James Marsden as uh, the modern day South Park version of Kenny getting killed in every episode. Yeah, that, I suppose. I don't know. It's, I kind of liked it, though. I kind of like it. it. I think it, I have to watch the third episode. It feels very lost story. to me so far, which is not a good sign. Yeah. Not a good sign. Making yeah. it up as a go along. Jonathan Nolan is based on. He's up his honor, so, you know. But, yeah, uh, in, in tangent relation to the <laughs> Hall of Fame, though, <laughs> Chuck Berry is back. The creator of rock and roll, some would say. Who turned 90 years Martin of age. Fly, though, wasn't it? Yeah, of course. 90 years of age. the truth. Announced that he is going to release a new album, his first in 38 years next year. Yeah, Chuck, um, which That's I a real guess is an homage to Sum 41's what, 2004 <laughs> record. <laughs> hey, Same had, name. That had one good song on <laughs> Did it? it. Yeah, yeah, it's called Pieces. Oh, okay. It's quite life-affirming. Uh, yeah, it's quite the comeback, though, isn't it? After so many years away. Um, and dedicated to his wife of 60 years, so... Uh, 68 years. 68 years. Don't take away those eight years from them, Greg. Jesus Christ. You don't know what um, happened. He's one of those people you just think is dead. Yeah, just, if, you, if you Google, if you Google Chuck yeah. Berry, it comes up, how did Chuck Berry die? <laughs> <laughs> it is that it's thing terrible. that he was at the very start of rock and roll, yeah. and so many people in rock and roll have now died, that it's just like, no, he's still been going the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a amazing. You know, one of the, the kind of fathers, I thought... You know, BB King. You kind of thought when he died, maybe maybe that's it for that generation. Unless Little Richard, he's still going. Unless yeah. he comes back or something. I don't know. Is he alive? Little Richard. Yeah, oh man, he yeah, is still yeah, going. Evergreen. My God. Evergreen. Look up some of this his. This is all massive up yours to Elvis Presley. Screw you. <laughs> screw, <laughs> screw you guys. 
Yeah, you took everything from us. Keep your Cadillac. We're still here, mate. <laughs> We're still here. Seriously, no. Doing that thing you stole from us. 90 years of age. That's 90. Unbelievable. Now, I was checking out some YouTube stuff of his, like, he's still gigging. Or he was up until two years ago, and it, it doesn't make for a great watching, to be well, honest. Well, he's 90 years I know, of age. What are you he doing? He really shouldn't be touring. Because <laughs> I was just curious. I mean, if he's releasing an album, I didn't realise he was still playing as well. And it's just... Main stage along to 2017. Yeah, yeah, like he was in his late 80s, and it's just, it's just not happening anymore. So I don't know what this album's going to sound <laughs> like. Their minds. Um, Come on, Chuck! <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, played with his long-time backing man, which includes his children. You know, it's I, I assume there's been a lot of heavy lifting here, and I, you know, but it seems that hopefully he's not on Chuck's part because <laughs> <laughs> his hip might just go. Oh. Um, well, you know, he's got a good quote from this: "Is my darling, I'm grown old. I've worked on this record for a long time, and now I can hang up my shoes." Fair play. Nice that. Yeah. Making Leonard oh, Cohen. Interesting. Uh, would, would it, is it going to be an old load of old recordings? This is the thing. Is this, yeah. Has he, has he gone in? Did he go into the studio? Over Lots of the originals. Apparently, yeah. Like, like apparently, originals are, are, are the the leading. More details to come in the next few weeks, which is a weird way to sign off the press release. But that's what it said. But they did stress that we will have original uh, material. So I look forward to Pitchfork eviscerating a ninety-year-old man. <laughs> a dirty, <laughs> dirty old man, though. Let's not forget. Oh, well, you don't know about Ch- Chuck Berry's. No. Oh yeah, he owned a do restaurant. We, do we need to get the bleep ready for this? <laughs> no, this is this was proven. He had to make settlements. <laughs> this and stuff. is the whole fact. <laughs> he opened a restaurant and he installed cameras in the female toilets, um, including under the lid of the to- toilet, <laughs> and then he paid them all off. This was now. This was years ago. He was in his probably sixties at this stage. I'm sure he's a reformed character. But so yes, is this a concept album about that? Yeah, probably. I hope so. Chuck, what I learned. <laughs> If I did it, <laughs> if, uh, 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 like I don't know, I, I hope well, it's he, good. He's in the Hall of Fame. Something only. Let me just go back in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Richard will go through his notes if he could, but they're ruined. Bad brains can only dream of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that bad brains for liquid. Yeah. Well, you know, in terms of albums, arguably the album of the year, and I feel like people at this table would maybe agree. Yeah. Frank Ocean's Blonde. And Endless, you know, I don't know if you put them together, I kind of do, some people don't. But both are ineligible for the Grammys, uh, an even much a much less relevant award show, if you ask me. You know, I, I can't wait to see who wins Best Folk and Roots Christian Album. They have like 75. Spoken Word, spoken word Best Soundtrack Packaging, I think is another one. Like it's, it's Really? Okay. Oh, man. They're uh, just going to the minutiae. There's about 75 yeah. or 78 uh, awards in the Grammys. But uh, yeah, Blonde and Endless will not be getting any Grammy love this time next year. Uh, and apparently, yeah, well, they, they didn't make the eligibility cutoff date. But apparently, a uh, source close to Frank Ocean says that they deliberately didn't bother. Why? That has not been revealed. It's interesting. We can only speculate. Complete opposite of what Chance the Rapper is doing. Because Chance, obviously... Well, Chance is courting mainstream. He's taking out massive yeah, yeah, ads. Main. and Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's different. I mean, because what was the whole thing about, like, he's releasing, like, music for free. And apparently you have to commercially sell it to qualify for Grammys, I suppose. Frank will always have this up on Chance now. Yeah. Know what Chance says, like, didn't care. <laughs> Did not, yeah. Frank actually turned up to his estate dinner in the White House yesterday. Yep, he yeah. wore he wore checkerboard Vans on the same day that I was wearing checkerboard Vans. Wow, did you feel a connection? I felt validated and a connection and a better human being. Uh, Chance the Rapper was also there. They both brought their parents, which was very sweet and touching. You kind of would have to, wouldn't you? Uh, you go to the White House Chance and you're American, you know. I was just pointing to see Chance ditch the baseball cap, though. The oh really? He didn't wear a baseball cap. He, he, he sans hat. Sold out. His dad works for Obama. Is that like right? In the White House. All right. He's some sort of economic advisor. He pilots some drones or anything? No, is that? I don't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> keep going down the bay open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think like little gospel interludes. In <laughs> Possibly, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like we can only speculate why Frank was doing this, but I like it. It adds to the mystery. You know, the whole yeah. Thing fair play to him. Yeah. Fuck the Grammys. Grammys are shit. Yeah. They win awards that would work in anyway though. 
And now, the week yeah. in Bust Ups by Craig Fitzpatrick. <laughs> so, Azealia Banks, she hasn't been up so much lately, has she? No. Um, well, apparently she was at a party. It was a party thrown by Russell Crowe, and she wasn't too into the music that was being played. I need to know what music was being played. This is the problem. This is the detail that we don't have. I mean, it might have been Russell Crowe's own music, because he was in that dreadful kind of Australian pub rock. 30-odd foot of grunts. Of grunts, yeah. And if the name alone doesn't do it for you. Um, music will. <laughs> music <laughs> certainly will. Right up there with Jimmy Nail and Steven Seagal, in terms of the kind of, yeah, blues. Don't have a go at Steven. <laughs> really? Have you heard his music? Yeah. Is it? It's is horrendous. It? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a terrible human being. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So the only reason Azealia Banks was at this party was because RZA brought her along for some. Why would he he's did. such a mischief maker? Well, RZA, uh, she signed up to. Uh, she's either on his management label or, or his new record label or something. Yeah, they have yeah. a connection there. But RZA and Russell Crowe starred memorably in the film uh, "The Man with the Iron Fists" or something. Yes. Memorably, yes. very <laughs> memorably. Oh, uh, yeah, RZA, RZA directed that. Yeah. Uh, but they're also they also co-starred in "American Gangster." Oh, they did? Of course. Yeah, yeah they did. Rizzo was on that, yeah. Um, yeah, he, Rizzo's actually a pretty good screen presence, and I kind of wish he'd do more stuff like that. And uh, I believe Dave Bautista was also in The Man with the Iron Fist. Mm. Not a good movie. Uh, good soundtrack. Nah, R- 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 good yeah. soundtrack. Russell Crowe's character was called Jackknife. That's pretty good, right? Yeah? Clever. Yeah. I like yeah, that yeah. one. Can we get an air horn for Russell Crowe's character there? Thank you. It's so sad when you can't actually hear anything. We're all just sitting Don't here reveal deflated. the magic, Craig. <laughs> I'm sorry. The post-production. <laughs> um, but anyway, okay, Zelia wasn't digging the music. Um, she called Crow um, and others there boring white men. And allegedly, now we're getting into very TMZ territory here because, you know, we don't really know what went on. But she had a glass and she threatened Crow and some woman she was talking to saying, you would love it if I broke my glass, stabbed you guys in the throat. And at that point, when she grabbed the glass, Crow restrained her and took her out of the hotel suite and she was kind of kicked out. Now, I'm no medical like, expert, yeah. but I, I, I don't think anybody would love having a broken glass rammed into their throat. No. What's the story no. with Azealia Banks? I think she was off know. base. Um, she, yeah, she then I'll took to Facebook yeah, yeah. and essentially <laughs> said, no, actually, I was kind of being... She says she has receipts. Do you know, do you know what receipts mean, Craig, in modern parlance? <laughs> no evidence. Okay, she's got, evidence. She's got video evidence. evidence. Yeah. Somebody, somebody it's, like, it's like that word ghosting them. when someone's ignoring you. We can't use the word ignoring anymore. We have to use ghosting. So. Well, she says she's going to speak out about the incident once she's had time to process the brutality and abuse she was unjustly subjected to. Yeah, which I believe she is doing in a two-page spread in the Sun, which I didn't read because it's the Sun. Uh, Russell Crowe was on the Late Late Show doing some music about a couple of years ago. And it was late, late show, so it was ramshackle as all hell. And you could tell it wasn't even rehearsed. Ryan Turbody was kind of like, would you play a song? And he, Russell Crowe surprisingly said yes. So the guy at the acoustic guitar, he has to tune it. Like, I mean, this is all live TV. He has to go up to the balcony where the band were playing. And the whole thing was like, he's almost tripping over things on the way up. And it's, you know, it's like it's kind of charming in a weird roundabout way. Who else was on that show? Because I remember watching it and he kind of saved it because there was some really awkward interview with someone I don't recall directly but, beforehand, but it was a natural kind of weird, fun moment that you know again Orti kind of didn't quite understand what they had in the moment. But there was an amazing bit where Russell Crowe starts playing this song, and the crowd do what all Irish crowds do, and they start <laughs> clapping Clap along. That shit, yeah. And Russell Crowe stops the song and goes, "No, no," and he goes, "You bastards aren't clapping along because you're out of time." And he's going to pull you off. And the crowd then just like stunned silence, shut up, and Russell Crowe played his song. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. You know what? Fair fucking play. There's nothing worse than like everyone turning into the fucking lumineers of the gig and doing it terribly out of It's the late, late show, though. You're going to start awkwardly clapping. There's strange compatibility <laughs> about it, though, isn't there? Like, it's like you want to show support and you want to get into it, but that's just like, really poor. <laughs> Justin Bieber did that at some, at some gig there like a couple of months ago. Oh, yeah? He literally stopped in the middle of, what do you mean? 
because they're all clapping along to it. And he's like, no, no, now do this. And he like... Oh, showed them how to do yeah, it? Yeah, okay. timed it out for them, which was nice. He said some weird stuff at his gigs lately. Like, he had a gig in the UK there and he said something like, to the top row of the balcony, he said like, when Jesus comes, you're going to be the first to go. He hates his fans so, he, so much. The contempt like, for I'm his surprised own he hasn't base. taken down his trousers and just pissed all over them from the stage at this point. <laughs> like, we're not that far away from that happening. Um, I was watching um, Atlanta. I was about to say, <laughs> this is the best, like, fictional representation of Justin Bieber of all time. Uh, it's, 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 this, it's the program that's made by Donald Glover, of course, Childish Gambino. Um, but they have, like, it's, it's, autom- it's, it's got huge critical acclaim already. It's mm. amazing. It's 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 mostly comedy, but it's also just absurdist and it's, it's sketch, and it's also you know taps into the you know a lot of like it's kind of part drama as well. A lot of, it's just, it's a, so many different genres bashed into one. But they have one episode in which there's a black Justin Bieber <laughs> who turns up at this charity basketball game and, and, and just that's behaves. not he's. He's like a- Justin Bieber, except he's black. His name is is Justin Bieber, and in this universe, apparently <laughs> this, this is, is Justin black, Bieber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it um, is phenomenal. It's it's just it's yeah, it's incredible. It's just- um, I think that's why Frank Ocean didn't, didn't enter the the Grammys this year. It's Paperboy all over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any other bust-ups, Craig, to report? No, not this week. Um, and there's no Craig on Kanye, so deal with it, people. Jesus Christ. Sorry, yeah. The grimmest man. I'm on my holidays. You're we looking at me here. The grimmest man. Grimmest man in the room. You want to talk about Kanye West? What did he do? Oh, yeah. What, what, what Richard Chambers do? on Kanye. <laughs> uh, he's back touring again. He's extended the, the life of Pablo tour. And this is all ad-libbed. Yeah. No, actually, what <laughs> he no did was... Do you know what? Actually, he, he did... He, 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 at his gig last night, I think it was. I don't know where it was. Somewhere in Canada. That's that's how precise I am. Um, he was talking about that Drake track, Pop Style, which was on, of course, Drake's awful Views album. Terrible album. But Dreadful remember album. when the single came out, it had Jay-Z and Kanye yeah. on it as, as the throne. And Jay-Z had like two bars in it. Not even, it was that bar. It was that bar. <laughs> and it then disappeared from the album version, as did Kanye's thing. Kanye West says that's down to Apple Music and Tidal and their conflict over... You know who does what, and apparently Jay Z didn't want, even want to do the do the the one bar because out of solidarity for Meek Mill, and you got to respect that about the man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's <laughs> an amazing story. It is unbelievable. <laughs> it's a terrible. So Jay is like, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you two lines. <laughs> oh my god! Heard Meek Mill close his Instagram account. Do it, Meek, Meek Mill. But there's nothing. Funny Meek Mill is that. the saddest man in hip hop. <laughs> I just, I just feel endlessly sorry for Meek Mill. Uh, getting killed by Joe Budden. Wick around the table. Who's going to Drake when he comes over here? I would have been, but I didn't get a ticket. What date is that? Uh, is he not doing two nights now? He is, yeah. Is he? Are they both sold out? Um, I don't think they're both sold out. The first one's definitely sold yeah. out. To the princely sum of about 85 or 90 euro. Yeah. Don't yeah. Think I saw him play the three arena last time he was over. Oh, with the weekend supporting? Days. Yeah. How was he? Oh, yeah, he was great. Yeah, he oh, was great. Um, That's going to be a great gig, though. Yeah. But uh, I tell you, we'll be. I, mean, I, I don't like Drake, but I, I'd like to go for the spectacle. Mm. Yeah, he did this, uh, this thing. He had this kind of, um, like... I don't know what you call it, like a, a runway, almost like a, a circular runway that came off the oh, ceiling yeah. and he got on it and it lifted him up so he could go and you know, talk to people on the upper balcony. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah, no, it was a good show. It was a good show. And uh, yeah, and was, of course, like because the weekend had opened, he came out and, and they, did, uh, they did Crew Love and, and I think and then a couple of tunes oh, together. Um, did he live for? Oh, did he do that one? I'm not sure. Oh, wow. I'm jealous. It was around that time that song was out anyway. I don't know if it's as good as Macklemore throwing a cookie into the upper deck when I was there. But, uh, Stop going on about that gig. Seriously, man, you man. weren't there. It's over. <laughs> you weren't <laughs> there. there. You weren't it's your there. Woodstock. Okay, so I mean, that was yeah. Craig on Kanye. That was Craig on Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Richard, for Thanks, your Richard, for special <laughs> uh, correspondence. Uh, shall we go into Songs of the Week, Craig? Yes, let's do it. Where are we starting? 
Uh, number two. Oh shit, we're doing the numbers game <laughs> yeah, again? Don't we oh, always? Oh, is that not what we, a thing? It's your call. You, this you, is Eminem. <laughs> jumped out of the second floor of a record store with a treacherous four cassette and a cassette recorder in Ecuador with Edward Norton. Witnessed the metamorphosis of a legend growing like an expert swordsman from the Hessian War and hence the origin of the Headless Horseman. Born with the endorphins of a pathetic orphan. Endless source and reservoir of extension cords and dresser drawers and dead bolts on the bedroom doors and sexual torture kits kept in a separate storage bin. Excellent boyfriend. Use intercourse to settle scores with women who have vendettas towards men. Dickhead Thanks, Craig. I appreciate you taking the uh, the ring general spot there. Eminem, campaign speech. That sounds like a protest song. Is it? Um, It's an Eminem song. Is it a song, though? No, not really. It's Eminem. Does this qualify as a song? I want Dean to go first because Richard has been primed and ready. So <laughs> oh, like yeah. The coiled there's a coiled spring in the corner here. So, Dean, please take it away. I, I will add that these guys have been mining me for my opinions to pass them off on their own all week in the league. <laughs> That's true. We um, yeah, I won't lie. No, I... I I I I enjoyed this and it's it's nice it's it's got no replay value because it's what is it it's it's horrible it's, 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 no, re- sorry. it's really long with no real melody or no real structure but you know it's been something like 15 years of Eminem rapping over the same click beat uh always incredibly technically proficient but without any real heart in any of his rhymes even in even even Dr Dre couldn't couldn't resurrect him on his album last year his 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 uh, verses were pretty much what we expected so it's nice to actually hear him do something that's a little bit different. Um, that has, I think, a little bit of value to it. Uh, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm not about to go. It's not going to be on any sort of playlist. You're not going to listen to it in, in, in any sort of regularity. But uh, it's nice to hear him actually actually do something and sounds, you know, like he has a, a real a real harpy for once. Because that's been it's been something like 16 years since I've heard him do anything of worth. I'm going to stop you there, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to and I'm going to say that I think it does have replay value, not an excessive, <laughs> oh, not not an excessive amount, but in as much as replay value is what brought me to actually some of the merits that Dean was positing there. Uh, look, you know, this is throwaway. It's abrasive. It almost it, when I first got the link, I was like, is this a one of those not real links where someone has pitch shifted the vocals to not get it taken down because mm. he sounds a bit sped up or a bit kind of chipmunked or something. And obviously the arrangement, if you can call it even that, is as minimalist as it gets. But I didn't have a, any issues with it. I, I thought it was, you know, it was as a scattershot thing. I was like, fine, grand, cool. Uh, if it's on the album itself, well then, fair enough, that's questionable. Craig Fitzpatrick. No, I won't stand for this. It's just more of the same, just awful, awful Eminem trash that he's been doing. I probably culminated with Rap God where he was just aiming to get as many syllables to rhyme and he's just become a slave to the internal rhyme. And it's at a point where People he's talking... People love Rap God though. People love that song. But it's so ridiculous and it's as far from like hip-hop as you can get in terms of it's just... I don't know. It's like he's... Okay, he's amazingly talented. Someone needs to take his notepad off him though and just get him to write a song this or just was come the, up with a song. This was the most bored I've ever been listening to hip-hop uh, like, in my life. Oh, I thought you were going to say... About three and a half minutes show, cause in. We haven't, we haven't gotten the like, Kings of Leon's <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the fucking dumbest thing I've ever heard it's in my ridiculous. life. It's ridiculous. It is... It, it, the man swallowed a thesaurus and shat fucking rhymes. He's like a genius are, algorithm that's like, just got, gotten out of control. Like, I remember what hip-hop's about. It's about rhyming stuff. And I'm gonna fucking rhyme. And he's like, the, the, what the whole thing about Eminem back in the day, and was I mean, shock value was a lot of it. Um, I mean, he was he was really good. His first couple of albums were were like, I mean, they were of their time. Marshall Mathers LP is a classic. Everybody you know recognizes that. 
But whatever's happened to him since, and even, you know, even over the last couple of years, even Marshall Mathers' LP2, which I had high hopes for because Rick Rubin was obviously behind that. This is just, he, he has descended into this thing where he just anything which vaguely rhymes and they're so basic. Yeah. Like people will say, oh, he's so technical. Look how fast he's rapping and stuff. There's nothing vaguely lyrical about any of this. And I mean, his the strongest he could come out with because he goes on Donald Trump and, you know, what does he call him? He calls him a loose cannon. A fucking loose cannon who's <laughs> blunt with his hand on the button. It's just fucking crap. And I mean, the, the closest thing to, to, to shock value he does in this is where he talks with George Zimmerman, who, of course, you know, was the guy who shot and killed Trayvon Martin. He says about, you know, putting him in, in four Ian Shields and ditching him at, you know, Trayvon Martin's dad's doorstep. Like, I think Eminem is, is, so, beyond, is so behind the curve. All of yeah. these issues are so dealt with by people who are much more you know, lyrically able to talk on the subject matter as well as, you know, are pushing the art form out there as well. Eminem's is... is, 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 is like, it seems almost quaint, doesn't it? When he tries to be edgy now, you're just like, oh, go for it, Eminem. Pathetic. Use the word nobody's, faggot. Nobody's you know, shocked it's, anymore. It's a bit like, yeah. Misogyny is back in all this crap as well. There's no artistic value to it. Now, he does, just... he does rhyme misogynistic with massaging this dick, which if no one <laughs> else has done before in rap is just outstanding. <laughs> well, like, it what? brings to like, mind... I, I, go on. I agree with everything you are saying up until kind of this song because yeah he, 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 he everything since the Eminem uh, what was the third Eminem one? show the Eminem, Eminem show, show yeah. and including that album was all incredibly like stainless steel beats as it's just you know rapping syllables on syllables on syllables profici- very very proficiently but without any real kind of soul to it um and I mean, he's admitted things like like he was jealous. He he, he considered dissing Lil Wayne because he was jealous of how successful he was being, and 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 things like that. But this this actually f- seems like something that he did because he actually had a feeling like he wanted to do this. He he, he does know, at least sound engaged. He, yeah, with the, was, you know. Um, it's as I say, it's not it's not it's, it's not fantastic. If this was a new artist, I I would have. There is it no, that, yeah. this would be the most like yeah. nobody There's would no way even take any co- notice yeah. of this crap. I wouldn't get and, this wouldn't get covered in on this show if this was a new artist. But it is True, yeah, a little right, bit yeah. refreshing to actually hear Eminem do something that's that's a little bit different. Do you know what he should have done? Because remember there was these rumours like a month ago that he was going to have a diss track against Drake. That would have been perfect. <laughs> sure, a, yeah. It would have completely just validated it. At least it would have been like, you know, it would have revitalised himself, you know, it would have made him relevant in some way. But he, Drake would take shots back because Drake is just a, a very... I don't, like I don't very think anybody wants those kind of cross-generation disses. Nobody wants Eminem to come back. Joe and, Budden and, is doing it. I mean, Budden, I mean, he was the precursor to Drake, I suppose, in, in many ways. But I just, I just don't feel like nobody gives a shit what Eminem thinks about Donald this, Trump. Well, this thing, it's like, you know, Ability versus, uh, you know, kind of insight. And I think, you know, it brings to mind on Craig's record of the year last year was Compton by Dr. Dre. Mm. Eminem stuck out on that like a sore thumb because he was being overshadowed by everybody else involved. And also because he like, he had dud lines and really led It, it started like, off really well and then it fell apart. He had a line where he said, he goes, I, I, I make even the bitches I rape come. Yeah. yeah. And it was just kind of like, why is that there? Why are you because going? Because he's Eminem. Like it wasn't even. I didn't really see no, the argument around that. But I think. Yeah, yeah but see this thing. But, but I, I, think, I think the fact that nobody picked up on that was because it was like, oh, who cares? He's not relevant. His ability is in, is incredible, and, and mm. like, like like it genuinely is. Like the things he can do, like you know, it's like a machine gun. It's like it's, it's ridiculous. But in terms of what he's saying, like, it's so old hat. It's so done. It's so of its time. It's so. I mean, like, yeah, I, I like his cadence 
But the actual words, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's even pleasant to listen to. No, I mean, the, yeah, there's no flow tech, to speak of. Impressive, but like, I mean, bus driver and people like that rap fast and stuff, and nobody <laughs> listens to bus driver. No, seriously, he needs his notepad taken <laughs> away so he can't just the link all What's these the story words. Of that beat? I mean, it's, it it does sound like a dead vacuum. You know, like. <laughs> it feels like someone was in the background, like you know, just pressing down a button on a yeah. fucking Korg. And yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, does it does does it does it bode well for an album? Do we care about the album? It's Eminem. It's an eight minute Eminem minimalist I care beat. About the feature because I'm sure you'll have, I don't know, probably Kendrick and, and other people trying. And I don't think it suggests like it. You know, this is probably just a once off. I don't think we learn anything about what's going to come from a record from it. So it's just a kind of throwaway thing. We'll get a Rihanna pop smash. Yeah, as well. yeah. be good. Be, that might make it worthwhile. <laughs> Rihanna pop smash, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> uh, somebody who I would like to hear on an Eminem uh, an Eminem album. Trying to say that together. Uh, and I don't know if we will, would be Ab Soul, who I think has done a better job with, you know, kind of political and societal minded stuff this week with Huey New, which sounds like this. They speak highly of me when I raise my voice. I gotta shoot a fucking free throw to make my point. point. My wittiness, leave them stuck in the wilderness. You'll need a backwood to roll to this joint, joint. I'm Robin Hood and Robin Jeans. You follow me? Never mind. I'm tired of tight analogies. Still in pursuit of happiness. In the midst of the madness with middle fingers to bitches with badges that go wink, wink. I'm on the fence with common sense. My life is sad. Fuck it, and I ain't no 7466. No shit. That's Absol there, surveying the current state of race relations through the gaze of an influential political archivi- activist in the Top Dog Rapper's new video for Huey New. Can you tell I didn't write that intro and I'm reading it off someone else's? <laughs> uh, this is significantly better. Am I right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was a code I'd say. It's been one of the best so rappers of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might shock you guys. <laughs> Absol's done a better job in half the time. Um, we're right off that amazing Absol feature on Danny Brown, Danny, uh, Danny Brown's Really Though, which is just outstanding track. Kendrick as well, and Earl. Um, and this is great. This is really interesting. Um, I just like his flow. I like he just his reference as well. Always work for me. He's just he's a, like a really fresh rapper that I don't know. I, I just kind of really vibe with, but. His last record these days didn't quite work for me. So this definitely kind of bodes better Mm. than that. He seemed to be, I don't know if it was a little too try-hard. He was trying to do too much. He was trying to make a major push, it seemed. certainly wasn't in the same league as something like Control System. Um, But no, this is definitely on the right track. And um, love the Fresh Prince reference as well to start. I love that, yeah, that's excellent. It was, yeah. Puts you in a good mood straight away. And then gives you, nice, and then gives you a, you know, song to kind of th- to think about. So, yeah, I think that like that might be, like, that kind of sense of humour, that kind yeah. of, you know, wryness, which is definitely absent from Eminem, when he's just trying to fucking sledgehammer you. Yeah. I have so much time for this track, I love everything about it. it's quite good. I think, yeah, I, I, I'm encouraged, like Craig is, um, by this, because I'm, I'm, like, of, of the whole TD top dog um, sort of, you know, click or whatever grouping. Yeah. You know, he's probably the one who's had the least amount of sort of commercial success. He's probably the least recognised of the whole bunch of the of the originals, anyway. Um, and hippie. yeah, um, I just I just feel like you know he's, the group he's black hippie. Yeah, yeah, black hippie. That's that's of course. Yeah, if you want to go in the group, but, um, yeah, I just feel like he's he's been waiting for something like this. Because he's he's got a lot of ta- he's he's super talented he's super talented as as a rapper and I, I it's just it's just never really clicked for him cohesively in, ter- in terms of an album I've never really liked many of his his full length projects so far so hopefully this this pulls it out I mean it is I mean it's it's I don't want to say it's a soft target it's it's a frequently hit target the whole 
Donald Trump and race relations thing. I mean, the, the best if you're going to go for for the best Donald Trumpy sort of thing so far, it's still YGs. Fuck Donald Trump, like <laughs> <laughs> straight to the point. It's so basic, <laughs> but it's just so brilliant. Dean, would you prefer if I guess not just necessarily hip hop, but like other kind of aspects of music were getting not on this protest train? Because I, I, I personally, when I see has written protest song, I always go, Ugh, I mean, really, I just kind of feel like it's such a I don't know. Uh, there's no mystery to it. There's no like I know what I'm getting, and it, it always feels mm. quite throwaway. It's about the execution, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I don't know. Like, is it kind of is it a waste of time? Well, what are you saying? You don't want protest music? I'm not saying I don't want protest music ever, but I feel like you know, like like there's a lot of kind you of you want protest music banned, do you? No, <laughs> I, I want to protest against protest music. I mean, Typical like fascist like, <laughs> No, it's just like <laughs> it should be a committee that you know selects the protest songs <laughs> that they like and then releases them. Yeah, <laughs> this turnaround, I tell you. No, do you not find like, like some like like a lot of it is like there's conviction here for sure, but not on like the next track that we're going to play. I don't think has it at all. So I just kind of feel like it's very like it's not so much hard to gauge the barometer, but like it seems to be like it's the it's the in thing. No, we well, certainly Cap- around this campaign, we had Death Cab for mm. Cutie last week, one of the worst songs I've ever heard. In my that life actually from. that worked for me. I thought I that was really good. I still, I still, so we yeah, we're at loggerheads. A, a, with a that. week on, you're you're still telling. This I mean, one? I'm not still listening to it, but I thought it was well executed. Okay, um, well let's see. I kind of feel the same way about this next track. So. Why don't you lead it in, Craig, seeing as you're uh, probably on the same page. Okay, this is Elvi. Are these my jets? Wonder what I'm gonna do today. Are these my jets? I like to mix ladies' drinks with my fingers. Are these my jets? Seems like every day somebody from college comes by to tell me his life is in ruins. I like to tell him my stories from college and how I was so lonely. I was rocking back and forth. And we're back. Dave, do you like this song? No, I don't. <laughs> tell us why. Uh, Elvire, I haven't really gone to the Elvire well yet. And this just feels... Once you do, don't they? <laughs> this just feels like nothing. I mean, like... Matt Berninger, the National, I love the National, I'm, I've kind of, you know, seen them too many times, and I feel like they've, they're, maybe, they're, maybe they're a spent force, I mean, like they're definitely kind of not as good as they used to be. Uh, this is a side project, and this song, which comes with a weird kind of side-scrolling platform game, which has political, you know, rhetoric attached to it. The quote that accompanies this is, he, Matt Berninger says, This is a song about walrus penis jewellery, which is a real thing. My sister Rachel was given some by a Canadian bush pilot when she worked for Alaska Airlines in the 90s. With regard to the game, who cares? Uh, you know, they wanted a cathartic interactive experience, and they wanted to that's shoot... That's the video, that's the game, that's yeah, in the video. Yeah, but like, the song, I mean, the whole thing, it just, even people I know who love Matt Berninger and everything he's done are like, what the fuck is this? I mean, it's a bit left field. <laughs> I... I kind of dug it though. Hate yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I mean, Maybe. it is a throwaway track. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's it's clearly something they didn't spend more than two hours on. <laughs> See, this is my problem with with, with like a lot of protest songs. I mean, like, like, ah, look, it's a bit look, gimmicky. It's a bit gimmicky. This, that, that's the word I was, I, I was struggling yeah. and failing to find. I mean, There's like, some funny lines in it though. In a yeah, year, yeah, in, in in a year where Anani's album comes out, Hopelessness, and that's a protest album. That's a fantastic piece of work. I'm all for protest music if it actually is about something. But this just feels like. Oh, we'll get Elvi. They'll that's do so, it. That's so broad. You know, you could say that about. You could say mm. about music. I'm, I'm all for the music that I like. Nah. I'm all for those protest songs that <laughs> I enjoy. Crap. 
No, I don't think so. I, I, I really, I really, really. <laughs> oh feel, well, hold on. <laughs> no, but I, I just feel like, like like there's a lot of bandwagon hopping. No, like I mean, okay, maybe I'm wrong, no, but like it's, it's, it's something it's people feel matter. passionately exactly. about. Yeah, maybe I'm maybe, maybe I'm correlating specifically to this Ameri- to, to this though, to this yeah. American election in particular because it just feels like overkill to me. Look, I ain't saying don't fucking write songs about shit that you have problems with. Of course not. I mean, like, I probably put myself across in the wrong way. I, I think it's just you like, know what. Like, actually, I think I think the point on some of these songs is that they just talk about oh, I hate Donald Trump, and they don't really explain why. You just cre- you just cited a uh, uh, fuck Donald Trump by YG. <laughs> I know, yes. <laughs> and you, and and the thing you liked about it was that the punchiness it was of the chorus in the chorus. But I think YG does lay out not, pretty good. Yeah, he does. He uh, does argument as to this as is to just why like I mean, like I think to, to some degree, a lot of it, especially this what is it, the thirty days, thirty artists thing. Yes, yes. A lot of it, like they're all. I mean, I don't, I don't even. They're all like completely throwaway, and there's nothing really. There's no depth to them in terms sure. of like you know what are we angry about? Yeah, that's, that guy. We that's like my that problem. Guy. It feels homogenous. Like no, it, I, I don't doubt these these people dislike Donald Trump and and, fi- and see the see a value to to putting that into a song. Yeah. And Matt Berry like the national course political enough themselves that Mr. November was originally yeah, like used as a campaign song for yeah. Barack Obama and it's a fucking belter. An absolute belter, yeah. It incredible is, incredible song. It's just a classic. Um, so yeah, maybe a little, little disappointed that this isn't Mr. November two, <laughs> Mrs. November, <or> something. <laughs> hey, Mr. Um, November Junior. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, well, let's talk about someone who Dean knows quite well. Involved <laughs> <laughs> a terrible, involved <laughs> a terrible, terrible Elvis song that I want out of my life. Uh, Dean, uh, the cover of Telly Dublin magazine quite recently featured an interview that you did with Reggie Snow. Oh, was wondering, where's, where's this segueing into? Yes, I, <laughs> I interviewed him. <laughs> I, well, I don't know him any more intimately than that. Well, I feel like, you know, like it was a very good piece and he's kind of blowing up right now. So uh-huh. for anyone who listens to No Encore who's not familiar with Reggie Snow, what should they know? Oh, yeah. Um, I go back and read the piece and everything. <laughs> yeah. Be fine. Yeah, catch up, people. News agents. <laughs> go on to Dean's uh, Contently website and check it out there. But So, okay, so Reggie Snow uh, emerged about five years ago on the name uh, Lex Luthor. Um, his real name, the Lex part comes from the fact that his name is Alex, which he prefers to be known as. Um, but also at the time, I think there was a producer called Lex Luger. It's very confusing. But uh, yeah, he's kind of spent the last five years kind of just traversing the earth. He went, he was in a couple of different schools in the in in um, in the US, and he I think he, he his official address now is in London. He's from Jamcondra, but uh, you know he's he's been doing pretty a lot of things, bar really releasing a whole lot of music. He's got not that many songs. His kind of most fully functioning release he ever made was like a five track EP. So. I think there's some label issues at the moment where he's building towards an album, but we're getting, we've gotten two tracks in the last couple of weeks that are kind of teasing out this album. Well, let's have a listen to one of those tracks. This is Pink People. So that's one of the tracks, Dean. 
Yeah, so it's it's it's. Uh, I'm happy that this is the kind of sound he's going for. He's he's going for that kind of you know more. Uh, I guess you could say jazzy organic sound. He he did a track uh, a while ago with with Future um, that that kind of you know hard trap drug music, which he was totally proficient on. But I think this is his, this is the stuff he's he's always gravitated towards. Uh, he's got a he's I mean he's got a tattoo of, of MF Doom on his leg. <laughs> Those are the kind of beats he should be jumping on. That's what his voice works for. So uh, yeah, I mean oh, Pink Beetle. Um, it's probably not, I, I probably preferred the track before it that he put out, uh, Drugs. But uh, I think it's all building towards what should be a, a pretty exciting debut album. Yeah, and like he's got that kind of clout. You mentioned Future. I know Sky Ferreira is a fan. Annie Mac. Like, like, like it seems like he's totally like not leaving Drum Conjure behind or anything. Yeah, apparently he... when when uh, on, on on endless Why Frank Ocean, <laughs> <laughs> I still want to slag off Drum Conjure. Yeah. Man. Frank Ocean name drops name drops them on on endless. He hmm. says you know oh. Reggie, and apparently he's the Reggie because they know each other. But. Uh, yeah, he no, he's uh, he 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 has he has the contact list. Yeah, like it's it's weird because he's probably he's still in his early twenties, right? Mm-hmm. And almost at this point, he's the like Ireland's most successful ever rapper, really, or certainly the kind of there is this huge weight of expectation that he will come good and kind of bring it into the global mainstream, really, isn't there? I don't know if he ever will. Like, I mean, he yeah. is he's a hugely talented rapper, but I just don't know if he'll ever make that proper breakthrough. I mean, as you say, he has the contacts list, and he and I mean. Anybody who was at Electric Picnic and saw himself and Joey Badass cutting it up in 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 other voices will will be like, man, this this guy has has it. Like, but I just don't know. I just I just I I'd love to see him make a step up, but I just don't know if if that's ever going to happen. You know? Yeah. No, I think he has the he has the the, the ability. I mean, you go back mm. to his earliest recordings. There, like the the you know he was he was rapping with the same kind of like. Technical proficiency is like as Earl Sweatshirt. That was yeah. what he was. He, he, he That's was the comparison to. I always kind of make. Um, I sort of see him as sort of like almost like I don't know. Yeah, I think they appear or just as like yeah, like kind of laid back level. and yeah. They yeah. started in a very similar place, but I think Earl has gone much more like a much more darker sound, and and I guess you could almost see Reggie as being you know the, the almost the good angel to, mm. the, to the to the bad angel or, or to the the devil angel or whatever uh, that Earl is. Um, it's just yeah. He, I mean, you know, there's there's something that that's there's a talent there that that's pulling people towards him. I think part of those these label issues that he's having is because he's 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 operating at a, a really high level where these commercial concerns are with people. Apparently, he's he's like submitted albums and they've they've sent them back and said there's no singles here. It's that time old problem. Mm. But um, I, I mean, you know, so he's still very young. He's been around for a long time. He, he's playing a long game. He's not. A, he's not. He's not. He's not a kind of a young thug kind of esque artist who can go into the studio and come out six hours later with four different songs. Um, he likes fully functioning songs. He likes. He likes to to put out concepts. Um, so it's just. It's just his work ethic is 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 slower. But that's only by today's rap standards. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, but no, but these these songs I think are are showing that he's moving towards um, he, he's embracing what what the things that make him good, and hopefully that should be drawn out onto yeah. a whole record. Of There's it. certainly a lot of promise on on this. I mean, yeah, he sounds you know his usual effortless self, really just laid back, and I think the beat complements that. I wouldn't be too crazy on the track as a whole. I mean, I like the vocal hook, but underneath yeah. it. It feels a bit stale to me, or something like that. I, I, I'm just not hugely crazy about it, apart from his performance, which is the main thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah I feel the same way. I think you know, production-wise, it's a little bit bedroom for me, but I do like his conviction, and I want to hear more from him. 
So I hope that he kind of manages to marry the two, I guess, yeah. on, on this album if it does come out and if it does prove a launching pad for him. Uh, from someone who's kind of, you know, starting out and trying to figure it all out to someone whose career, unfortunately, is... Craig is shaking his head at me. He's dead. It's a very partridge segue. Trying to dance around it. Jesus. Was that really partridge? It was a bit. Accidental partridge? Fuck. David Bowie, who passed away in January of this year, before, uh, like shortly after releasing Black Star, another album of the year contender. It's not, though, is it? Well, it's contender. I, yeah. I feel like it's contender. I feel like people are definitely going to have it up there, and it has. it was up for the Mercury and... It's going to be a lot of top tens, that's for sure. That's yeah, a great album. Uh, I would agree with you that it's not the album of the year, for sure, but it is very good. And yeah, Killing a Little Time is the third track we've been given of these supposedly last ever recordings, uh, part of the Lazarus sessions. And- yeah, they were part of the Black Star sessions, and they're now going to be um, bundled into this kind of Lazarus, I guess, um, cast recordings. Well, let's have a quick listen. Show. Yeah. Let's have a listen to Killing a Little Time, which is uh, quite the rocker, I would say. Sounds like this. There you go, Craig. You think it's the best of the bunch, do you? Um, well, they're so different that it's really tough to pick between them. I, I, this was the one that certainly grabbed me straight away. I think it's terrific. I think all three songs are very, very strong, and he was in a real purple patch right up until the end. Um, this has those jazz influences, but it's just a really straight-ahead rocker. It has that kind of harder sound that you might have got on something like Outside. It's going a little bit back. Um, what do you guys think? I Yeah, I'd say it's the best of those three. Uh, the other two, I don't know didn't really grab me this one was yeah a bit of a belter all right um yeah not a huge amount to really can add to it i mean it it does feel like i mean i I just wonder where i would slot it into black star if you were to put it in there yeah. it doesn't really i don't know if it doesn't it, fit no yeah, it doesn't yeah it actually reminds me of like an audible maybe but like it reminds me of the rolling stones comeback singer from a few years ago uh doom and gloom great oh, song yeah. which i think is an excellent song yeah. yeah and i feel like the rolling stones they just brought out a, a song before we came to record the pod so I haven't heard that one yet uh, you know result, or kind of results may vary uh, with them And but that one's a belter and I like the immediacy of this I do think the problem though is that it's going to be exceptionally hard to judge anything of an artist of this magnitude in yeah. the wake of their death yeah it's very much wrapped up in all of that the same yeah, I think there's a risk though talking we were kind of speaking about this going on here end of lyrics and saying you're kind of saying really and, you know but i think there's maybe a risk of now that the the hype around the album mm. of, is 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 crushing actually how good an album is because this is this i think it's certainly bowie's best album since heathen anyway and probably better than that and i was a big 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 on heathen yeah um so and and i think that uh that this song is definitely in line uh, i can i can hear it slotting onto onto that album really? um yeah i mean it's got the, it's got the saxophone in it you know that i think kind of ties that a lot of that record together um i don't think that's an album that's either particularly you know sonically it moves and shifts mm. into a lot of different places anyway i think it's more yeah. the speed of it though like it comes racing out the blocks i mean like like that's a great thing but i'm just like, like i'm just wondering like how would you like like if you were to put it in there like would you be like i oh, should open the record with this or like it's it's a tough one. Maybe we shouldn't go into sequencing of the record. <laughs> no, let's be do here it. all night. Let's like, do yeah. it. Let's line them up. Let's no, fix I'm... Bowie's last record. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm all for that. Sorry, Dave. 
I just think it'd be very, very difficult within the kind of, you know, the build of it. Because I, I find that album quite difficult to return to. And not because of Bowie's death, but because I think it is it's kind of an exhaustive listen. Yeah, but even more, more so than, 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 let's say, the, the resequencing. Uh, you know, you often get with a lot of these kind of cook tracks that they sound certainly like they were cut during the same sessions, but they were left mm. off the album for a reason. Mm. Um, not necessarily to do with, you know, quality. So I think this is this kind of maybe could be one of those classic examples of that. I'd be really surprised if it's the last David Bro- David Bowie. This is the thing, yeah. yeah. Like, like that to really, me, really that's surprised. like a wrestler retiring. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of like there'll be more. There comes a lot more. Yeah. He'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Goldberg. He's still alive. Goldberg probably. just popped up in WWE. You know, he's back after 12 years. He's also still alive. Rocking the grey beard. Yeah. Last last sex men I was reading, Charles Xavier was dead. You know, he's coming back. <laughs> to resigned Jean Grey several not times. Seen the last yeah. of me. He's in the trailer for that new uh, the new Wolverine movie, Logan. Oh yeah, this look kind of looks like uh, it kind of looks a little bit like Old Man Logan. Which it looks is like successful. Blood Father, which was the yeah. Mel Gibson movie that just came out, and also it Ooh, has Blood Father. Now you're talking. You see that yeah, movie? That's excellent. Do you like it? Oh, so good, man. So me. good. Like, Boom. You know, what, like Mel, Mel Gibson. Can't I don't know if it's because did high five. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's because nobody will. He, he, they'll still let him make these massive, massive Oscar bumped bait into movies. Him in town. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, literally bumped into. Him. Did you say hello? No, does, he, no. does he look like a chewed up old shoe like he does in this like he's a grizzly, old grizzly fuck. Yeah. he's wearing a red hat it was like Steve Zazu like you know oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally just bumped into it so I tried to, I was like wait a minute that is quite problematic I, I think Steve he's, he's, he's yeah. shown just kind of he's, he's such a horrible human being that they won't cast in anything anymore so now he's making these like really gritty as fuck movies like Edge of Darkness and yeah I didn't see that's the way get, to do it I didn't see Get, get the, the Gringo, gringo. but but man, he's this—he's like reborn as Bloodfather is Lee a Marvin grindhouse movie, and like, like yeah, like whatever about Mel Gibson's so personal traits, uh, his screen presence. Oh, and it's so good. Like you yeah. think you can't you, deny it. You get you get Mel Gibson who, who looks <laughs> like yeah, his face is just ridiculous. He's the most grisly bastard you've ever seen. You think no, we'll double down on the grisliness. Get Michael Parks in a supporting yeah. role, and, <laughs> and William H Macy's there as well. Why not? Wow. Bring it all the leather. Wow, that movie's so good. But yeah, I don't know. Mel Gibson, interesting guy. Uh, it kind of made me wish he had been Mad Max in Fury Road instead of Tom Hardy. Ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh, tough, tough I want a sequel to What Women Want. That was a classic. What would you call it? What women? What women have? What women don't want? I, I well, don't I, know. I, I, Nothing I, I could answer that well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think on, on on some of the, the those recordings when he was asserting what he believed that that women wanted yeah, from yeah, him, I think exactly. he, it turned out to be quite a disparity between that and, and reality so uh, let's move on to well, the album I, so. like, yeah, I, feel, I feel like that's enough of a tangent for this week <laughs> sorry Speak, Colm speaking of horrible things let's speaking of uh, speaking album. of questionable and contentious uh, relics from the past <laughs> it's time for Kings of Leon and their walls this is Waste a Moment the lead single which as I posited in my own review of this record might as well have been called lead single So that's waste a moment there. Uh, did did you guys feel that I made you waste some moments listening to this record? Or no, I was going to listen to it anyway because that's just my duty as a former fan. Um, well, no, I'm still a bit of a fan. This is the best thing they've done in about six or seven years. Which the is, album, lead yeah. this charge. Yeah. yeah, I actually didn't. I hate it. I didn't hate it. Go on. No, it's yeah. not. It's not contemptible. Um, it's so weird. I mean, like 
what started out as like them being the southern fried strokes, these kind of weird backwards hillbilly type blokes that were just like really good at writing kind of Creedence Clearwater Revival songs. Um, if you had any, no? no, some of their songs were better than Creedence and stuff. If you will, are you a big Creedence fan? No. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Could you name five Creedence Clearwater? Probably. Yeah. Creedence. Probably. I think so. yeah, okay. Gun to the head. Fairly popular. If I gave some good gun to my head. If you had to tell me that, like, whatever, ten years later they were going to be the band that they are now, and as massive as they are now, I would have spat in your face because that was the kind of person I was 10 years ago no but this is just Jesus face spitting loose <laughs> something you yeah. want to say here <laughs> <laughs> but the, we're at a point now where if they do anything that's like vaguely kind of interesting or yeah. that they seem kind of caught up in we're kind of like oh maybe they're back on track um, and yeah as I say these 10 tracks aren't all completely contemptible um, there's some interesting stuff on this. I mean, Machacho is, is is pretty interesting in terms of yeah. it just being a bit of a weird, like hotline bling. Well, the, Timmy Thomas Cha Cha kind the, of the thing that it's using there is very reminiscent of a piece of music on the Fight Club soundtrack by the Dust Brothers, which I'm sure is also very reminiscent of what you've just mentioned. And others, so it's kind of like I'm not sure it has a place though in that song, because like, that that song starts off and you're kind of like, oh, that's different, and then it just becomes this country drawl, and it's like, well, okay, it's actually great. quite a sweet song, I think, and it has some whistling which works, which is I think you should give a few points to We've the album. We've got an apologist in the studio, guys. <laughs> uh, Find Me is a great song. Great, though. Yeah, it's a great song. I want the word great to be great again. Like America. <laughs> great under Donald Trump. <laughs> um, conversation piece has an okay no, melody. No, 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 no. no, no. It gonna, has an okay melody. I'm, you. I'm pulling you up. No, no you're no, not. No, I'm, no, you're I'm stopping you. <laughs> no, you're not. Over could be Joy Division if it wasn't for the terrible vocals and <laughs> the off God? lyrics. What's happening? I was about to say, I, I, I followed Craig on most of it. I, didn't, I didn't really hate this album. I thought I would really hate it. Whereas it's just a bit like vanilla. It's interesting. Um, um, around the world has a bit of a bounce to it. Um... And the rest isn't great. But overall, their best effort in a good few years. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Well done, lads. Yeah. Well done. Dean, please. Let's come back, come back to reality. <laughs> uh, no, you know, this, the King, Kings of Leon were always awful. They've yeah. always no, no, terrible. no. Yes, thank they, you. No, they're I'm sorry. Worse, no, they're, no, no. They're, they're, this you is know, ridiculous. They were, they, I'm walking out of the studio. <laughs> um, Can we high five again, please? Yes, please. Done. You never would have heard about this band if it wasn't for the Strokes. It was they rode the Strokes coattails, but their best album, which is what like Aha Shake Heartbreak, or whatever, probably that is that has less value than that new Strokes EP. That, that's less value than Angles. That's how no. I think. Uh, that's I think a fantastic record. Been. The first three actually were great. Oh, God, the third album with um with the, with fucking on call and and that yeah. and that, that little Pixies knockoff Charmer on it. Oh my God, that, that was, was so pure terrible. Shit, in fairness, um, yeah. but this uh, okay. I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. I I I, I was supposed to listen to this album. For for, for today I only got halfway through it because I got so bored um, so the second half could be fucking dark side oh, of the moon or something I don't know you checked out once I started sounding like Joy Division was it around track but, yeah, it's just so funny to me because like the last album the only song I heard off it was I think uh, Super Soaker which was the most the biggest strokes knockoff uh, <laughs> you, you could hear this time now they seem to have gone to go back again for, they're some, for, they're somehow they're, they're, they're sh- they should have been one of those bands that just got thrown in the indie landfill from that era just you know, kind of not, 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 just not, not offensively bad. Just not that good. I think no, I, 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 amazing moments. I would have been yeah. a fan of their probably their first two albums. I'd say um, the third is great. But they were massively. Now there's a couple overrated. of duds on up. There's some great songs on that. Third they were record. massively overrated by how big they became. They yeah, somehow like everybody, be... everybody decided it's just a really cool thing to just slam them now. But like, I mean, just like I don't know. When they got commercially big, everybody's like, "Oh, I wish they were back to where they were when they were doing the first two albums because they were amazing." And then that's how it became known that Kings of Leon used to be this amazing band. But sure. they never really were. 
but they were quite good. They were quite good. No, I mean, and now I, they're not. They, they did somehow. They managed to somehow <laughs> cross end. over. Uh, they somehow managed to kind of cross over into like this bigger realm, but they maintained a lot of their kind of indie cred. Like a lot of people whose opinions that I would respect would like the King's Own. No, at this table, but he doesn't respect my opinions, though. Um, <laughs> like it, yeah, it's where they were fucking OREM now. Of, of oh no, I mean, okay. Um, ah, there's no, huge. there's no indie cred for King's Leon anymore <laughs> at this point. We're about ten years after the cred. Just Oh, okay, we'll just go into specifics anyway. I just felt the, the, the songs they did listen to off. I just think the instrumentation is just so sloppy. I'm lo- I'm like a- around the world, it, 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 the tariff on that sounds like it sounds like they're trying to nick a, a Vampire Weekend guitar riff, which which themselves was kind of taken from Afrobeat. So it is, it's it's almost got that kind of recording of recording, only it's being played with like you know garden gloves on your fingers. Um, <laughs> I'd love like, to be at the brainstorm sessions when they came up with this album. Like they had yeah. a big whiteboard, and there was like more of the same. Yeah, you I right. Say, yeah, single, as, a lot of as you call it, the song lead single. Like they, they where, did, where did you pinch this riff, guys? Or how did how did you how did you form the this? guitar on this record is dreadful. I would say. <laughs> okay, Matthew, uh, the cousin of the group, so the cousin, is yes. always to blame. Um, yeah, no, he's just like phoning it in so much. It's the same reverb drench, just kind of dross for most of it and just some of the songs can withstand it but overall just when you get to the end you're just like this guy's got it doesn't have an idea how to string together a decent fucking guitar riff can we talk about the album cover oh Oh, that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) okay who who can best describe it for for audio purposes four porcelain dolls floating they're just their faces in a pool of semen that's what it is. You did a good it job is, there, yeah. Is. That's just, I, I could have been wittier. Walls, <laughs> the acronym uh, stands for We Are All Like Love Songs. Bollocks. In a way we are. What the fuck is that? Well, this is another major problem with them. We Are All Like Love Songs. That's Bollocks. what the acronym means. Like when, But there's two A's in there. I know, like love, yeah. but not in the actual title. Sorry, Craig, go on. This is, the problem. This is another problem here. Which <laughs> Caleb has decided to go from like incoherent and kind of mysterious to like just banal as fuck. <laughs> and trying for these kind of universal, you know, sentiments that just are aiming for stadiums and arenas and are, will, you know, probably reach... I want to read like, out a quote. He's constantly uh, undermining any of the good melodies. I want on to read out a quote. They're, they're on the cover of Hot Press magazine at the moment. This is an awful quote. This is a really boring quote, though. Yeah, but what, but the point, it's a lead quote in the piece. Yeah, but, okay. Which okay. shows you what the journalist was up against, or whatever mood the fucking lads are in. So he got the drummer, Nathan, who said, Going into this record, I think we made it a point to not put any pressure on ourselves. I really don't feel any pressure. It's our last record on our record deal, for one. So I think not so much pressure, I think the unknown. What's going to happen beyond? And can we make a good seventh album? This being the seventh album. Uh, that's kind of the only pressure we put ourselves under. We've kind of established ourselves every other, every other aspect. So, yeah, I think our fans will be happy. Like, that is an incredible admission of not giving a shit. What a man. It's just no. something that's terrible in an interview. Like, no? No, I think it's him going, like, I don't think there's anything you can I glean think it's, from it's that. It's our last one on this deal. It's like, you know, we eh. don't give a fuck. No, I'm not trying to rinse them because it's cool to do so. Mm. Um, you know, although, I, I although gen- generally, you know, I don't think about Kings of Leon most of the time, except I was just made to, to remember <laughs> all about them. For this podcast, Forced by but Mel. It, 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 it feeds into you know what we spoke about on the, here once before about guitar music just being about as bad as it's ever been at the moment, and and that's why that's I think point, yeah. in in this era, Kings of Leon, that's that lane that they're in is REM, and I was I'm, I'm not like a massive REM. I don't listen to REM very often for kind of just to listen to them, but you know I'm a, a big appreciate REM. Had did a lot of great things. Had a lot, have a lot of talent. 
that this is the kind of band that fills that that space. I don't our, think so. Think no. no, they very much don't. They feel like oh, a Bon you know, Jovi space. No, I don't no, think no, anyone's no. saying these are REM. Yeah, REM are one bon of the greatest bands bon of all time. Space, thank you. No, because Bon, 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 bon Jovi. Die. Sorry, bon, sorry, John. Bon Jovi's <laughs> legal letters flying into New Jersey. <laughs> Bon Jovi we firmly consider to be middle of the road, you know, popular stuff um, that you know nobody actually know listens to, but everybody kind of listens to. The Kings of Leon are a band that started off very much like a, a, a kind of a garage rock band um, yeah. that that you know earned uh, a lot of indie credit. I always thought they were average, even the first couple of albums. Um, who managed to somehow cross over into this kind of bit, bigger realm of popularity. Stadium band. Stadium band. You know, they, they did those, you know, the songs. Oh, that what was the, use, use Me. Was use use Me. Sex on But fire. They, they crossed yeah, over with Sex on Fire and not heard. Losing My Religion. Um, I don't see the comparison. <laughs> like. But, uh, yeah, and, and, but they, they still have, they, they kind of straddle those two lines still in, in a kind of a similar way that R.E.M. do mm. uh, or did. Uh, so that's why I maybe I'm being particularly harsh on them again we were saying the same thing about them this was a, like a new record it just wouldn't appear on the radar at all uh, for me I don't know I think it probably because there's such a dearth of decent guitar music at the minute maybe it might have registered in some way like, I'd agree with Dean on this one I think they're so established at this point people have yeah. decided that they're either fans or that they're not and they happen to have a lot of them and Kingsley and I were kind of one of those I fans. don't know how I feel <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, well, I, I, I mean a fan of you know like it, like their kind of game of two halves thing and it's like you know well, we're very much entrenched in the second part of their career which happens to be extending by more years than it should they worked with a producer by the name of Marcus Dravs in this record Nathan Follow was a pains to suggest that he was very ruthless in the studio put them under a lot of pressure uh, implied a lot of restraint uh, I'm not hearing it. What I am hearing are his credentials. He accounts Mumford and Sons, Arcade Fire, and Coldplay amongst his clients, and it's that kind of sound. It's that kind of like this will be grand in the stadium. This will fill an arena. Fans will have a good night out. They can slur the words back to Caleb. It's fine. Uh, this record is neither a train wreck or anything to celebrate. It's so in the middle that it's genuinely, you know, objectionable in that regard. But ultimately, I couldn't get hit up about it one way or the other. I gave it four out of ten on Drowning Sound. I'm giving it a four out of ten right now. Where do you guys stand? Well, you're you're right in kind of saying about. This is the, is this still Kingsley's middle period? You think in bands, you know, they slot into you know, the various yeah, periods I mean, if, of the career. Yeah. W- w- it's it just feels like ever since the third album, they've just been flopping back and forth between the two sounds, and they haven't really they haven't really you know gone anywhere with 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 their styles. Bar straddling between, well, we kind of want to be a kind of a, a gritty, mm. dirty garage rock band, or we want to be a stadium filling band. Um, so it's 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 kind of confusing, and you can't think where does an album like this fit in in their legacy? Where you know where 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 will this be remembered? What will this be remembered as being the stage of their career? And it's just kind of a nothing release, um, from what I heard. I can't give it a, a rating <laughs> because I don't did only listen to a half, but I'm going to Oof. give it a. Go on. Three. <laughs> okay. I, I, I That's a six because you only listen to half of it. I thought we were going to get our first ever <laughs> no rating. How are you figuring that one, Matt? <laughs> really, like, damn it. Uh, Craig, we'll come to you last on this one because I feel like you should get the last word because I think you've been beaten down. Uh, Rich? I'll go five because it is just middle. middle. It's middle. It's, it's nothing of any interest really, but yeah. It, okay. It'd be very easy to just say two, three, four. Craig? So I'm going to go with an eight but (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably give it a six because I think it is good and there's moments where I'm still hopeful I think they could pull something out of the bag one of these decades good lord (laughs) Um, but no there's some interesting things on this and I think they can still I don't know they can still pull it back okay well point. we got one but more I'll album give it a six. I'll give it a six we got one more album to talk about this week a new project we uh, played a track last week on the show uh, let's remind you of what that sounds like yeah 
Check it out. I left home at 17, had the light in the load. I was young, but I was keen to survive on my own. In the fall, got a gig with my brother-in-law. Chopping work, bagging groceries, pushing in carts. I was grateful to be working, but say, my back is hurting. I don't think it's the purpose, no, this can't be the call. At night, I'm working grave, just counting the time. On my break, I write a song about the love of my life. This ain't right. Couple dollars in change, walking home in the rain, jumping so that's Get Bigger by No Worries. Uh, the album is called Yes Lord and it is yes, out now. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did a better version of that than me. Uh, it is the combination of Anderson Pack and Knowledge and it's going down pretty well, right? Yeah, very enjoyable. Um, it's probably one of the albums of the year. Just put it out there. Big statement. <laughs> um, I'm got, it's top 10 for me already. Um, I feel like in this podcast, the, the, everything, anything is either one of the albums of the year or other <laughs> shit. There's no middle There's ground. There's no grey areas here, man. <laughs> album of the year. It's great, though. No, it is one of the albums of the year. Yeah, it's a really good listen. I mean, we, you know, say straight off that everyone's saying like an R&B mad villainy, um, which yeah. it very much is. And obviously huge kind of reminders of Donuts and a lot of Dilla's work. Um, and it's an interesting one because... As great a year as or year and a half as Anderson Pack has been having, and he's again great on this. I think it's really knowledge that seals the show a lot of the time. I mean, just the, some of these loops are just incredible, yeah. and the sampling is just so well chosen. He's drawing on like decades of great kind of funk soul, seventies um, predominantly, but it's just such a kind of great mixtape of a kind of late night party vibe to it. I don't know. I just I just think it's great. It's really good. Yeah, I'm right with you. I mean, like, my only kind of... I wouldn't go as far as I think it's one of the best albums of the year simply because I think it's it's as easy to get into as it is to get out of. I found it very easy to walk away from this record. I think you could throw this Depends record on... Depends on if you're sitting down in a... <laughs> it's a nice warm bath. I think you could easily throw this record on at any track and kind of sync with it. Mm. I oh, like, so it's shit. I don't think it's much of an age to be narrative. But then again, it's not meant to have that. That's fine. But for me, personally, I was kind of like... I'm yeah I'm I'm loving what they're doing. It's very enjoyable. It's not that indistinguishable or decipherable. It's kind of one long song. I know. It's the oh, worst I don't thing. think so. Man. You don't think so? I kind of feel it like so it, often, it feels like, like it feels like patchwork moments, and that's yeah, fine. Patchwork isn't and one long song though. Yeah, but like it's kind of all in the patchwork same. by its very nature is yeah, kind of comprising of <laughs> into one cohesive project. Long, which is what you week, want okay, from let, album. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm still hurt over the Kings of Leon. Yeah, apparently, so like you know, step it up. But no, uh, yeah, I really enjoy this. I think it's really good. I don't know how much longevity it's going to have, and I think I will return to it in the form of you know, kind of picking my favorite cuts and putting them on a playlist. Is that a horrible so thing? Sequencing to say? No, again? I think <laughs> that's probably just about fair. Like, I don't think. Thanks, Richard. I don't think I'll listen to it in a year's time or two years' time. But that's by virtue of the fact that I think he's going to release or Anderson Pack is going to release shitloads more better stuff, and just he's he's just so prolific. Um, yeah, it's a really good listen. I think like this is is one of my songs of the year. I'm apt, I can't stop playing that song. It's absolute just. It's just a jam. It's just just a jam. Just Scared a jam. money, by the way. Scared money is insane. Yeah, when we hit great. that point in the album, I was just like, okay, yeah. this is the real deal. What more can I say? Is great. This is the album of the year. Um, I, just, I said yeah, one of top I, ten, maybe. I, I I'd like to see. Anderson Pack now. Now that he's had, as you say, a year and a half of of of, of doing really really great things from from you know Dre's Compton all the way through his own release Malibu and and this as well. I'd like to see him, you know, take it out. I want to see. I want to see him tested. I want to see him out of, outside of his comfort zone a little bit. Um, 
yeah, I, I, it's it's a really good, it's a really really good listen. That that's pretty much all you can really say about it, though. And uh, like some of some of the tracks have been around for a, a good while. Like I mean, Suede has been around in some shape or form. Yeah, I believe Suede was the track that convinced Dre to kind of include him on Compton. He just yeah. played it three times. Like, okay, he's on the project, which is you can understand. Uh, Dean, what do you reckon? No, this is this is one of the albums of the year. I, I, I think, I, think it's got, <laughs> I like Dean again. <laughs> I think it's got plenty of replay value. And you know that because once I finished my review, I haven't stopped listening to it, which yeah. is the Good. always the, the key gauge of that. Um, I don't think it's something you just you pick. You, you, you can't kind of pick on and choose too many tracks off because there, there's so many kind of these these you know sonic um you know donuts that that you know it just works better mm-hmm. as a piece the thing about uh with with pack who's definitely you know, he's, he's having he's the artist of the year like i loved malibu yeah. but compared to this like malibu was so um conventional um, he was he was doing a lot of songs like he got some stevie wonders type songs on there he never really rapped on it anything he kind of sang and everything it was mostly you know chorus chorus bridge you know very very yeah. conventional with this i think uh, knowledge. What he does is he unlocks the best of Pack because Pack has just got the most natural flow. You know, the, the most natural yeah. half sung, half rap. Do you think it's sh- better than Malibu then? Yeah, I think this is better okay. than Malibu. He's got. It's, it's like, like the pressure's off him, and he can just not, enjoy yeah. the kind of sink know, into yeah. it a bit. Not necessarily. I wouldn't say that there was ever a pressure on him. Although Malibu was much seen a much more personal work. Uh, like he was trying to lay a lot of things out there, mm. but. Yeah, with this, it's it, because of the, the 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 beat. It's got this kind of beat tape feel to it, where you know the 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 the, the music keeps shifting between these kind of different uh, different sounds. Pack just seems sounds just so natural on that. I mean, his, his the way his the way he, he kind of turns a phrase and tells a story on this is like, mm. unique. It's incredible. He's got there's uh, like a song like "Get Bigger," which is a song we heard, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he tells this really simple tale about him working in, in a supermarket and you know at nighttime, kind of dreaming of making it big in music. But he, the, the way he does it, and, and the, just the, the natural rhythm to his voice, and, and the natural that conversational feel that he's speaking without thinking about it, it's just so unique. I think with anybody, um, I think you're right to say it's 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 comparable to to Mad Villainy, um, just because it's on Stone's Throw, and you know you obviously got yeah, the team up, and, and knowledge is definitely in that Mad Lib lineage. Um, it's not it's not quite as good as very dilly as, as well. It is. It, yeah. He did remind me a lot of donuts. It, it, yeah. In some some regards. But, yeah, but I, 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 just, really I just I just I just love it as a companion piece yeah. because to me, Man Villainy is the ultimate. It's one of, well, that's one of the best albums ever made in any genre. But that that is the ultimate depiction of doom, the supervillain. Um, whereas you know you, you take something like this, which is much more more positive, and you know the, the first song, you know, Living, you think it's it's it's, it's almost pack celebrating the year he's yeah, having, very the career so, yeah. he's having. Um, so it's it's great having that 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 kind of brightness to it. It almost counteracts a little bit Mad Villainy's uh, darkness. Their interview in the Fader at the moment sounds like it was very hard work for the journalist. Uh, I'm not sure if you've read it, and I saw the editor of Fact magazine. I was just about to say this, and you mentioned it. Al, love, yeah. Oh, incredible! Al Horner on Twitter said. Uh, that he once interviewed Knowledge and it wasn't uh, a great time. And he said that he spent the entirety of the interview uh, unwrapping and examining the Dreamcast that he just bought off eBay. Well, you would be excited, wouldn't you? To be fair, as Al Horner himself uh, followed up, he goes, I don't blame him. Jet Set Radio was the shit. <laughs> Shenmue, Shenmue. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing about Knowledge is he's clearly incredibly talented, but he also clearly just doesn't give a fuck. I mean, you know, you look at the mountains of music he's made. Something what was it, 65 or 70 yeah. beats. Do you reckon he's out? getting clearance for any of these samples, by the way? I'm just thinking. <laughs> and, and that, well, that's another thing I kind of I, I like about this, and I like about him as a producer. He'll go into, he like, for, for Suede, that's, the sample on that is is the bottle by Gil Scott Heron, oh. uh, who uh, his stuff. That's you know that's if you're if you want to be an old school hip hop producer, 
That's his records one, yeah. are him. You got him, Isaac Hayes. These are yeah, records. Yeah, yeah. These are the starting building yeah. blocks. Um, knowledge is no problem going into that. But he'll also cut up some Brazilian bossa nova shit. Um, interesting thing about him, he's released a bunch of music on All City Records over yeah. based out of Temple Bar as well. Um, he's definitely he's just a guy who just be. <laughs> you know, moves his own kind he of rhythm. He also hates EPs, which might be one reason why this album is 19 tracks long. He expresses disdain for EPs. Yeah, he said, and, don't, and he said don't come at me with this half form shit. <laughs> and that's the funny thing because <laughs> their 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 link up with Suede with EP, which came out uh, over a year ago, maybe no, maybe just about a year ago, or, or if not a little bit less. Yeah. Um, I was I was still fucking with that up until this album came out. So. Uh, a couple of tracks do make it, which is nice for completionists. Yeah. yeah. Um, even, even the kind of skits are actually quite funny. They're good. Yeah, no, they are. Which no, is no, no, rare I, for like, a rap album. I do album like this minutes. record. I just, I, I just, I haven't felt it to be like, you know, fucking... Transformative anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it's yet to fully grab me. I think it might. But like, I do right. think that you need to... Well, let us know. No, I think for me, I see an album like this and you, you play it on from the first play... You know, it's gorgeous on the air, like yeah. the, the the sound of the drums and like some of the some of the kind of the basses that he mines from these old records are just so thick and yeah, grubby. I say it a lot, but this like, is a headphones record for sure. Um, oh, it is, yeah. yeah. Oh, but you, oh, you, you can you can play you can blast yeah. this. Oh yeah, sure. I'm gonna play it in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Making dinner with great crack. Like, uh, it was really good. Um, what would you have? The best casserole I've ever made. Like, uh, <laughs> it's just uh, casserole stir- making music. Stirring up that shit. Mm. So for me, Put like that you know, in the back of the record pack, like you know, it'd be great. Casserole music. This is casserole rap. Enough. Dean, please rescue this. <laughs> no, there is, there is that you know that from the, from 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 minute one, it's it's so enjoyable. But on, on repeat listens, you know, you you listen to to packs to packs. Uh, you're never we're coming. Have to cut all this you're out. never. No, no, no. We're leaving it. You're, you're never coming back, Dean. Sorry, please. Sorry, Dean. Oh no. What about that Lou Bega? <laughs> <laughs> did someone say Lou Bega? Just not my own hey, Lou Bega. Hey, hey did someone say? Did someone say air horns? <laughs> we take scores, will we? Let's take scores. Cool. <laughs> Seven out of ten for me. Jesus. Seven point five out of ten for me. Fuck off. I'm going back through every episode of this and I'm going to comparatively yeah. to that. To what you the, think it's better? What, what albums have you given eight? What did you what did you give for Hank Ocean? Like you gave that a nine. Nine. Eight point six on the episode with that nine round, rounded up to a nine. Okay, so you can do punctuations, can we? You can do whatever you want. So there we go. Let's decimize this shit. Uh, I'll go seven point two for this one. Because <laughs> there's two of them. Ooh, <laughs> I'm going uh, okay, seven and a half, fine, I'll go seven and a half. It is clearly a very good record. I just haven't yet it is yet to fully I've yet to fully fall in love with it, okay? Okay. Right. Someone else talk now. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm gonna give this album a... Uh, 17 thumbs up and four Batman symbols. Can we have the actual out of 10, please? <laughs> That's what I was going to go with. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, a nine. Nine out of 10. Ooh. All right. Okay. I go eight. Maybe not quite eight and a half. Maybe an 8.3. Okay. Pitchwork <laughs> is, eight, p- is 8.2, so oh, yeah, you're in good company. And Craig. Damn. Yeah, all the albums I really like that we talk about on this, I'm kind of about to say 9 but I'm like oh it's approaching a 9 this is approaching a 9 for me 8.8 you've said approaching a 9 about 5 albums well no 3 I think James Blake Bon Iver and Frank Ocean that's 4 okay 4 make a 4 I think you said approaching a 9 about Lost Under Heaven and about Anoni no Lost Under Heaven was just an 8 for me Okay, uh, and only I think I gave a nine actually. I think you gave it nine. Sure. Okay. I'll have to go back oh, and check well. it all out. Yeah. Oh yeah. You gave what, what did you give that Bonnie Iver album? Nine. Oh, you gave that Bonnie Iver album nine. You gave this a seven. Yeah. Bonnie Iver album's amazing. The Bonnie Iver album is amazing. Very good. It's a great no, listen. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're not a fan. <laughs> yeah, you know, I say I, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I listened to it, but it just didn't grab me, and I, I didn't come back to it. Lemonade's so, still my album of the year. 
All right, okay. 100%. Interesting. Album of the year. Interesting. Didn't ask you that question. Pablo. It's fine. This <laughs> <laughs> has been and then it's life of Pablo. Yeah. It's same Pablo. Same. Anyway, look. Time to wrap up this uh, round shackle as fuck episode. Sure. But Casserole been, podcast. It's been fun. I've enjoyed the past. I hope, I hope you've all enjoyed listening to Richard Chambers because that's not happening again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be making my casserole podcast. I'm just, I'm just going to listen to the podcast and just talk over it. Stop saying podcast. <laughs> Dean, thank you very much for coming in and bringing some semblance of decorum this um, week. Bong, bong, bile. Bong, bong. <laughs> Craig, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Cool. Yeah, thanks for everything. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for all this. It's and as always, uh, we close No Encore with some Irish music. And this week, it is a duo by the name of Alex and Emma, but their actual band name is Games Violet. The song is called Tim Box. They hail from Ireland, but are currently based in Philadelphia, where they write, perform, and produce music in their home studio. Their music has been described as hauntingly stylish and like Prince on Robot Ketamine, which I'm not sure is appropriate anymore. Stop saying casserole. <laughs> My name is Dave Henry. <laughs> this has been No Encore. There will be no casserole. There will be no encore. There will be no casserole. But there will be a track by Games Violet. Violet. Games Violet. Tin Box. See you next week, hopefully.
impossible. I guess that some things are impossible. I guess that some things are impossible. I like my brain scrambled. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. But if you like causing trouble up in hotel rooms. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just two fifty. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.